Hello there, and welcome to episode number 142 of Dude and a Monkey. Uh, my name's Ian Loring, and as always, I am joined by... And I'm Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. And, uh, yeah, we are live in the same room. We've already done quite a bit of recording um, today, but we think we're going to um, split the recording into two episodes. So, actually, no, this might be 142, like, part two. Not 143. Fuck it, let's, let's chin truck this punk this shit and boost our numbers a little bit. Really? No. No. no <laughs> it's so, 42 part two. This is 142 part two. So um, you already will have had our review of the Hateful Eight. Um, hopefully the audio came out all right. Um, uh, apologies if you couldn't really hear. Like, I, I think most of it, I think you, you can right, hear yeah. us. It's yeah. just a lot of background noise. It's a bit of background noise, certainly, yeah. Um, so we're going to have our top ten, our bottom ten, our surprises, disappointments, general chat, and at the end as well, just because it tied in with my number one su- uh, surprise, we're going to have a bit of a, a bonus uh, chat that we recorded with um, Andrew Jones at Ethan Run on Twitter, so I'll stick that in at the end of the podcast. So, um, yeah, that sounds right, don't it? Yeah, that's cool, yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, we're recording this at, we're starting the recording at three past eleven. <laughs> um, when we've already been drinking, uh, all evening and we've watched The Hateful Eight and whatnot. And to be fair, podcast recording is probably not the right thing to be doing. And also, we're in a hotel room, so hopefully we're not going to get shushed. Fuck them. Uh, chatting's alright. Chatting's alright. If we're fucking, it might be different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, later on we might have problems. Yeah, we might, we might. So, um, uh, do the monkey at gmail.com, at Ian at do the monkey. Um, Mark, anything else? Or? No, let's, let's, let's fucking go, motherfucker. Okay, cool. Um, what do you want to start with? Um, should we just. Wait, wait, um, uh, should, we do, should we go 10 to, 10 to 8 and then do disappointments and um, then go from there? Yeah, okay, so 10 to 8 and then disappointments. Okay, so I did a now. 20. Um, I didn't. Oh really? No, I, 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 I fuck. I barely, I barely a ten. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, I, w- I want you to avert your eyes for a sec. I'm not looking. Um, so for what it's worth, my number twenty was Hyena. Number nineteen Ooh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great film. Great film. Nineteen was Inherent Vice. Um, eighteen Clouds of Sils Maria. Uh, which I haven't actually talked about on the show, but I watched this week. Um, and seen it, it's fucking fascinating. Is it? It's like proper meta, but not like, look how clever we are, yeah. um, kind of stuff, um, with Juliette Binoche and Kristen Stewart. I don't think Kristen Stewart's ever been better. And uh, Chloe Moretz gives a performance where you kind of think like she could actually do something beyond <laughs> Hit Girl. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think Chloe Moretz is a great actress who could be kind of trouble by her own need to be seeing as more when she clearly is already more. Mm. Yeah, no, quite. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but uh, the third act slightly lets it down for reasons that I want to get into here. But those who have seen it will know what the third act is and would then probably know what my problem is with it. So I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, number 17 is Bridge of Spies, which I think I'm actually going to be talking about later on. So I'll leave that be for now uh number 16 brooklyn uh number 15 spotlight number 14 the martian number 13 the big short number 12 sean the sheet in the movie which i did think was going to be in my top 10 but um didn't make it um thanks to basically the last week or so and uh my number 11 is uh spring uh so yeah um, so, should I do my number 10? Or yeah, go with your number 10. Okay, so, uh, my number 10 is Denis Villeneuve's uh, Sicario. Uh, 
very uh, which I liked more the more I fought on it yeah um, and I mean fantastically well shot uh, tense as all hell um, and just the kind it's one of those kind of mid-budget films that Hollywood aren't supposed to be making anymore yeah we keep hearing this that Hollywood aren't making these mid-budget uh, things um, and even we both watched I've watched most of it, you've watched all of it. That director's roundtable with another reporter uh, with uh, Inaratu, Scott, Scott, Tarantino, Tarantino Russell, and Boyle. And, um, and, and Inaratu says on that, you know, that these films are dying out. And I think we think they are, but in reality, they're, they're not. They're thriving a little bit, you know. Um, or at least the good ones are. The good ones are, but they, but even even what people perceive as not being the, the good ones are still, are still making money. You know, Sicario... Um, is a great movie, mm. uh, and it, it, it did great business and was critically critically acclaimed. You know, hugely acclaimed movie. Um, and then even you know movies like uh, one that it, it hasn't actually made my top ten, but it was very close to it. In fact, my number eleven, uh, Southpaw, mm. movie that cost thirty five million dollars, um, a movie that, that in American cinemas they actually had to put it back on. Yeah six weeks after it came off because people were asking about it and it made money, you know. These are the mid-budget movies that, that, that we've thought, you know, we've been, we've spoke about it, but everyone's spoke about it, that, that, that these, it's a disappearing and they're, they're not actually, they're actually they're kind of thriving a little bit at the moment, but very much under the radar in the terms that shooters are going, hang on a minute, we can throw out a, a 35, between 35 and 50 million dollar movie um, and still make money. I mean, a, a, a mid-budget movie now is a 60, 70 million dollar movie. We want to see one today. Mm. You know, Hateful Eight costs $65 million. That's a mid-budget movie nowadays. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's insane. That movie will do $200 million. So it will it will triple its budget. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I don't think it will do. Yeah, it. I mean, it's, I think it's already up to about 30-something in the US, and it yeah. hasn't really, hasn't really kicked, kicked off, off yeah. there yet. So. But, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I mean, for Emily Blunt, who's fantastic, Benicio Del Toro, who I think is... Probably not getting enough notice in like best supporting actor kind of um, yeah, territory. Yeah. He's he's very good in this, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, like, like as I said, some of the most tense stuff you've seen all year. Um, an ending which is I don't know, pretty much spot on. I mean, the final the final final bit is maybe a little bit nail on the head, but it's I I, I at the same time it it kind of. I don't know, it maybe feels necessary for, for the story, so it, it's hard to kind of criticise it too much. But, I mean, there are there are a lot of other films that have done nail on the head stuff this year, a lot more, a lot worse and a lot, a lot more bluntly. So there you go, Sicario is my number 10. Cool. Uh, my number 10, uh, it, it, it's a film we, we spoke about earlier. It's, it's hopefully it's just snuck in there. It has. Okay. Um, reasons being is... Um, I'm a huge Tarantino fan, and I think that the the overall film uh, quenches my Tarantino first that, that you get every few years because it, it is a filmmaker who released a film every sort of three, four years. But the other point of it is that it's its negative points don't outweigh its positive points. At no point do its when it starts getting, when it, the, the, the points that we would consider to be its negative points aren't, for me, thinking about it, are points that I think make the film worse. They're points for me that stop the film from being better. Okay, that's interesting. It, it's, 
I read out my 20, and at the moment, I'm pretty happy with that 20. Yeah, I can see that. I f- yeah, I think Hateful Eight's not far off of there. I would also be interested, because we've seen, we've seen, essentially, for all intents and purposes, a special edition of the Hateful Eight. Mm. So, it'd be interesting to see what the, the actual... Um, general theatrical version. Yeah, what Brad was is, saying there, if there wasn't an intermission. And it wasn't like, an intermission. Yeah. Because one thing also that we didn't say on the, the review of Hateful Eight is the intermission for me harmed the film and harmed the film experience yeah. as well. Because people saw an intermission, an intermission is a break in a film and it, it's an opportunity to to go off. And so we used it as an opportunity to kind of Stretch our legs, stand up, yeah. It, yeah. But it's an opportunity to go off and do things. But if a twelve-minute intermission, people see that if they have twelve minutes to go off and do stuff, you don't. You have twelve minutes for the film restarts. Yeah. If you're not going to do stuff, you're going to do stuff in minute one. There were still people passing us in minute ten. Yeah. Who weren't going to the toilet, and then there were still then the same people passing us in minute ten were coming back with popcorn, drinks, and stuff like that. Mm four minutes into the movie, which did involve me a, a point where it's quite a crucial point of what's going on. And yes, it's been narrated, but the visuals of what's happening, I was having to look around people to see what was going on because I couldn't see it because yeah, there were people right in my eye. A mild, I, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil that. It's just Tarantino's talking about coffee. Yeah. And it's like, you do need to be paying attention to what he's saying there. Yeah. And I was, I, mean, I was, I was, I don't know about you, probably the same because you were sat right next to me. Mm. But um, I was having to look around mm. people to see mm. what was, you know, that's, I'm not talking about like people's heads. This was full people right yeah. in front of me. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of took me away from that a little bit. Um, but in terms of, of that, my Tarantino first was quenched in easily enough in the fact that I, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and it is just snuck in at my number 10. Maybe in going back over, maybe halfway through this year, I'll, I will look at it and rewatch the couple of films that didn't quite make it. I'll rewatch Hateful Eight and go, oh, maybe I was a little bit, maybe I got caught up in the moment of yeah. the, 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 the Super 70s Panavision. Yeah, then again, maybe I got caught up in the, I'm a bit disappointed by it. And maybe if I do watch it again, it will, maybe, yeah, it will but, go up but, there again. But right now, what you know, I'm, I'm happy with my number 10. I was hoping it's going to be higher. But it wasn't. But I was really hoping it would break through for me, and just like I mean, like it's one of the reasons why we delayed doing year end until now yeah. was because we wanted to get hateful eight seen. So I'm glad it had an effect on one of our lists. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not disappointed in it, but um, but also as well, I I I don't wish it was better, but you know, it, it, it didn't quite it didn't quite break my top five or anything like that, which I kind of expected it might do. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Go on to your number nine. My number nine is Slow West, um, oh. which is a film we both saw this week. Yeah. Um, it's on Netflix UK. Uh, so, you know, there's kind of no excuse to not see it. Um, oh, yeah, fair enough. Noel's just saying it's a bit late for him, um, which is fair enough. Um, so, yeah, it's the directorial debut of Beta Band member uh, John McLean. Um, and uh, yeah you know it was one of those kind of indie films that came out this year where I'll be honest I've been playing a lot of games this year 
and it's one where if I hadn't been playing as many games, I probably would have got to earlier. And it makes me think I shouldn't play games in 2016. So I don't think I will be. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I watched it primarily because it was an hour and twenty four minutes. That, that's that's kind of why, in a way, why I watched it as well. Yeah, like, I wanted to uh, watch it as well, but the fact that it, it was it was that short kind of it kind of helped me out a little bit as well. Yeah, no, quite. So I mean, I um, for those who don't know, stories basically. Cody Smith McPhee, who's I believe an Australian actor, it's might be Australian. Kiwi. Sorry, it's Australian. Kiwi. He's Australian or Kiwi. He's one of the other. Plays. It would make sense because his first film was uh, Road, the, the John Hill Club. The Road, yeah. yeah, and he did uh, Let Me In, didn't he? Um, and he's, I think he's playing Nightcrawler in the new X-Men, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's a, he's a weird-looking fucker. <laughs> so, Let's be honest, he's a weird-looking fucker, isn't he? Yeah, he's Australian, I've learned he's blind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's fucking crazy. That. So, um, he plays a Scottish guy looking for his like the like his love who has retreated to America with her father um enlists the help of Michael Fassbender's he's kind of had that thrust upon him doesn't he yeah yeah slightly yeah like Michael Fassbender basically helps him and then says look if you want to if you want to actually live pay me money because I'm not going to kill you but you're going to get fucking killed unless I help you um so Fassbender plays he does play Irish doesn't he I thought he said at one point like one of his parents was Irish and the other was Canadian or something. Oh, does he? I, 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 I might have missed that bit. Yeah, but I, 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 I hope I'm not making that up. But yeah, so you got a Scot, a Kiwi playing a Scot, and an Irishman playing an Irish Canadian, going across the American West, being trailed at points by the Australian Ben Mendelsohn, playing Australian. Yeah, he's playing Australia. Yeah, but across the American West, he's fantastic. He's Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn is the greatest coat anyone has ever it's ever a worn in this film. Coat. That coat looks like it'd be so comfortable. Yeah, it looks like the furs of about half a dozen different, really comfy-looking animals. It looks. It looks. Together. It look. It looks like a comfortable version of what Leo DiCaprio crawls into the Revenant, but without all of this, the disgusting. That is perfect. It that looks is like perfect. that. And he looks like a boss. <sighs> it, ben Mendelsohn is. Oh, just Animal Kingdom is a fantastic movie. Mm. But, but what Animal Kingdom did more for us was it went, oh, by the way, he's fucking Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Isn't he great? And everyone went, yeah, mm. he is, isn't he? Because there's very few times where Ben Mendelsohn isn't one of the best things that he's in. Sure. Even when you go to like, Dark Knight Rises, you look Dark Knight Rises, but you go back and watch that, Bale's fantastic. Yeah. Hardy's fantastic. But Mendelsohn is, is subtly one of the best things in it. It's really weird looking back on Dark Knight Rises now and thinking that Tom Hardy and Ben Mendelsohn were in that. Yeah. Like proper like indie like hot shit actors were in the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Well Nolan, Nolan picks it's not, actors. Yeah, it's not he, 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 he picked actors you know you look at it Nolan picked fucking Toe for Grace to, to be in a really small role but he works really well for that role. Oh, in Stella, yeah, yeah, Stella, you know, that's that's kind of what he does. You know, mm. even when you go to Insomnia, Nolan picked 
um, Robin Williams to mm. play a certain role in it, and he, he fits perfectly. Yeah, yeah, no, quite. So, I mean, um, Slow West is a really discombobulating film. I think it's just it's quite a simple through narrative, but it feels like it's made up of individual scenes. But all those individual scenes are for a purpose. They, it just it doesn't feel like they're strung together, but it feels like they are quite separate from each other. Even though elements bleed in, like the uh, the the kind of standoff in the shop, yeah, and the kids are there, and then they come back into it later on. But it kind of feels like its own individual bit. And when Ben Mendelsohn comes in, yeah. it feels like that, like he just kind of like walks in as if he's just coming in off stage or something. He's like, here I am. Got some absinthe. Yeah, yeah. Every time you expect the movie to go bigger, it doesn't. Every time yeah. you expect to have a big crescendo, it doesn't. Yeah, it, it, kind of, it ticks along quite quite smoothly. It's a it's a very peculiar movie. Um, and, and I mean, the aspect ratio is something which you yeah you you will have heard in the last podcast if you listen to it. Brad actually live emailing the director of photography. Yeah, I, I've tweeted the director as well to see, oh, okay, to see cool. what he says as well, actually. Because like, I, I fully believe the aspect ratio is there to further weird people out, just with the general It does seem like a strange... A strange it, it is. It is 1.66, yeah? Yeah, I'm sure it is, yeah. Yeah, okay. Which, which is odd. You know, you watch it on Netflix, there's black bars on the left and the right. I mean, Noel WhatsApped us, didn't he? He did, yes. And he was like, what's going on with the black bars? It's like... It is what it is. They're actually intended, and it's 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 things like that. I mean, because the thing is, it's not quite getting a bit inside baseball, but it's not quite one point three three to one like um, Andrea Arnold did with uh, Wuthering Heights. I think she did with uh, Fish Tank as well, where it's like and and Mommy. Uh, have you seen Mommy? I've got to see Mommy now. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so it, it, it's like the proper boxed in, but it's still it's not properly widescreen, and uh, it, it just it's. I, I think that's what it's there for, but I'm I'm ready to be proven wrong, and it sounds like I probably oh, I will get an answer at least. So that's that's interesting. But it will be interesting to know know, know what the, the kind of the the ideas the, the thinking behind it was. Yeah, but I mean the ending of the film as well. I I was very tense. I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything specifically, but I was really on the edge of my seat, waiting for someone to look at someone else. That's all right. Uh, yeah, on the edge of my seat, waiting for someone to look at someone else. Do you know what, I, what I'm referring to? No. Spoiler it. Okay. Um, no, 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 not not because we haven't done this. I'm going to try and pause the. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I just uh, told Mark what I was talking about, and uh, yeah, that. Bit. Yeah. Obviously, Mark wasn't very tense during that bit. No. I was. Oh. Fair enough. I, no, I, I, I enjoyed Slow West, but it it, it, it just, I don't know, it's, it lacks the, the, the kind of punch that, that you got out of it for me. Okay, fair enough. Um, that's, that's, that's just one of those things. I still thought I enjoyed it. Fair enough. And what's your number nine, Doug? Uh, my number nine uh, is Mission Impossible. Um, Mission, uh, well, uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, uh, as it nice. is. It is weirdly titled. Um, it was a strange one because I'm a fan of the Mission Impossible films. Um, 
in that I, I, I really liked one. Um, two is ridiculous, and like we've said when we covered them in, in a marathon, that mm. it essentially is Tom Cruise in a midlife crisis in a movie. Mm. Um, three is uh, the J.J. Abrahams movie, um, and it, it's... It, it, it's good. It's J.J. Abrams film. Um, it, it, it ticks all the boxes for like almost like a an almost reboot, but not quite a reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, number four has it's not a great film, but it has some great sequences in it. Uh, Brad Bird, I believe it was, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then Chris McQuarrie came along, and uh, you know he'd done uh, Jack Reacher yeah. previously, which was a great movie. You know, I took him by surprise at how good that was. Um, you know, obviously, had a lot of um, a lot of relationship there with with with, with Cruz and Cruz. I think will probably have helped him. I'm pretty sure Cruz selected him. I think for for MI5. Yeah, uh, ba- basically, it was. Um, I think they were doing stuff on Jack Reacher, like Chris McQuarrie tells this story, and he was just talking to Tom Cruise, and like they they were just chatting, and Cruz was just like, "What do you think about doing the next Mission Impossible?" and Macquarie was like, yeah, 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 that'll be interesting, yeah. And then Tom Cruise basically went out of the room, got on the phone with Brad Gray, the president of Paramount Pictures, and then just came back in the room and was like, right, you're doing Mission Impossible 5. Which which is brilliant, because yeah. it makes sense, because Jerry was, a, was, was, so well, was so much better than anyone expected to be, I think, really. That flick is solid as fuck. It is a great, it's a great movie. Uh, and Mission Impossible 5, it, it gave us... It gives a great thing of where, where, where you said about, um, and quite rightly so, absolutely, uh, that Mission Impossible Two is, is like some kind of midlife crisis. Um, what Mission Impossible Five gives us is a film where it's going, where you've got a lead character that has been so um, impenetrable and omnipotent throughout the entire series. Mm. It, 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 it's going. It quite literally has a, a character. Reaches limitations, yeah, and that's you know the one thing that's fun now is it's got a shit villain, but it, outside of the villain, it, it, it's it's because it's not battling the villain. I like Sean Harris in this, mind, the, I like Sean Harris in it, but it, but he's a terrible villain because he doesn't feel threatening. Um, it, but the, the, the threatening bit of it is that Ethan Run is hitting his Ethan his limitations. Run. Ethan Run, Ethan Hunt. He's hitting his... Andrew's um, hitting his limitations. Andrew's hitting his limitations, yeah. He's hitting his limitations. And the things he's doing, they're not versus the bad guy. Mm. They're versus himself, yeah. essentially. Um, and um, Rebecca Ferguson is incredible. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it, it should be a star-making vehicle. And, you know, the fact is, it's a Mission Impossible 5 movie. It's a Mission Impossible movie. It, it, it's not really there. I, I, I cannot understand why... She wouldn't be in with the best white actresses of the year. Mm. Uh, it's a great performance. There's a bit of drama to it. There's a little bit of comedy to it. There is also great action that she holds her own in. She kicks ass, takes fucking names. It, it, it's a fantastic performance. There's a, an accent within that as well. Mm. I, I honestly, genuinely can't understand why people wouldn't sort of go, well, hang on a minute. It, she's fantastic in it. Could anyone tell me what country she's from? Yeah. W- without knowing. 
Could anyone tell what country she's yeah, from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd be fucking surprised what country she's actually fucking from. Yeah. Um, she's fantastic. Um, is she Swedish? Yeah, she yeah, is. Yeah. The whole film it is brilliant. It, it, it was one of the great summer blockbusters. And it was one of those where it took everyone, not by surprise, but it, it, it took its own momentum. And it was almost surprised of, of how successful it was. But it thoroughly deserved it. it. It's it was a great second, entertainment. It was the second best summer blockbuster. I think that's fair to say. What was the best that we got later on? Yeah. All right, cool. Duh. Okay, it's not the cool my list. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, that does come up. Yeah, that's that, a that, blockbuster. Is the Callous Gun Blockbuster? Yeah. All right, that counts in. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Then, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, it's the second, it's the second best of blockbuster then. Yeah. Yeah. I cool. still can't have a little independent movie for some reason, even though it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's very much not. Okay, I- I'm sure everybody knows what we're talking about. But, um, okay, my number eight. As I said on the last podcast, it's better than the Hateful Eight. It's Bone Tomahawk. The number eight. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's my number eight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Bone Tomahawk's the shit. It is brilliant. It's fantastic, yeah. Um, it, it's just... It's a mental mix of Western road movie and pretty full-bore gore-fest. Yeah, and what I love about the Bone Tomahawk, it's a Western. Mm. It's a proper Western. Mm. Because Hateful Eight's not a Western. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. It's, it, it's not a Western. It may be set in the right... Time, but, it, yeah, it, but yeah. it, it's without question a western. But on top of that, it's a western. You know, it might have gore elements of it, and it's a thriller, and it is a thriller, and it's like that. And it's a, you, know, you, could, you could argue that it's an on foot road movie, uh, but it's a fucking western. Mm. That's it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, it's got it's got Kurt Russell doing something different from Hateful Eight. I mean, I know when like. The, the kind of the pre-publicity was going around it was like he's doing two westerns with big moustaches in one year but the performance is yeah. yeah the performances are very different um Hateful Eight he's one minded it's it's it, it, Hateful Eight's more reminiscent of like Tombstone era uh, Russell sure whereas um whereas you know Hateful Eight is very much reminiscent of Modern Russell. What? Bone Tomahawk? Bone Tomahawk. No, 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 very reminiscent of Tombstone. Oh, I bet Hateful Eight is more reminiscent of uh, yeah, 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 Modern yeah. Russell and that, that, that. I'm here, I'm retired, but I'm doing a film. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I think Fast Seven's a bit like that as well. It's yeah. like, I'm just going to turn up and chat about Belgian Ale. Yeah. Yeah, which was you guess that, that that's just what Carlos was interested in at that yeah. point. Yeah, quite. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Bone Tomahawk. It's just it's it, it's just a mix of all sorts of things, but it is primarily a western, and it and it works. And the, the cast are all doing really, really solid work. Like everybody is good in this. Yeah, everybody. Um, but when it does, like a guy, a guy at work. I recommended Bone Tomahawk to him and he came in the next day he was like I watched that Bone Tomahawk with my girlfriend last night and I was like Tom that's a terrible idea he's like well 
I wish you told me that before I watched the thing. It was like, mate, I'm sorry, but I described it as a Western with massive gore elements to it. And he was just like, yeah, but like, she likes Kurt Russell and she likes Matthew Fox. And yeah, I just, a guy gets like turned upside down and literally hacked in half. Yeah, I, it just, it's stuff you don't see every day. And the direction is spot on. The dialogue is great. The interaction between everybody is fantastic. And for what it means to do, it's pretty much perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And when you've got a film that... When you've got a film, I think... Making Kurt Russell look great isn't that difficult. Yeah. Because he's Kurt Russell. Yeah. Making Richard Jenkins look great isn't... Difficult because he's Richard Jenkins. He, he is great. Yeah. Making Patrick Wilson look great. Isn't that difficult because Patrick Wilson is usually great? Making Matthew Fox look great is more of a challenge. Mm. Matthew Fox is fantastic. He's, he's, he's fantastic. He's really in this good in this. Really uh, good. In, in the fact that he, he, he's taken a character, he, he's, he's run with it and it, it's, a, it's a great character and it's got a. He's the character that's. That you wouldn't think as an art, but then you, we, once you, once it's gone, you go, fucking thing, you wow, that's a, that's a character, that's a great character. Mm. It's, it, it's a strange thing, you know, like he, he jumps up in the end of his thing, but it, it makes sense for his character, the way that he, the way that everything transpires with him. It's a, it, it's a really well structured movie, mm. in the fact that, it goes for it. The, the gore happens very quick and very... It's done, it's gone. And it, it doesn't then... My worry was with Bon Tomat was that it, we were going to watch a thriller western that would descend into just an outright horror. Mm. And that would have been boring. It would have been, oh, you've built all of this and then you've just gone, nah, it's not a gore. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it would be like, oh, fuck off. Um, but it isn't. It's... There's... there's all this build, and he builds, and you go, oh, wait a minute, okay, no, that makes sense. And I, I thought it was fantastic, I think it's a great film. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, I, I, I very much agree, sorry, I, I, uh, I'm in Heineken haze at the moment, but <laughs> no, yeah, I, it, it is fantastic, and um, I'm, oh God, I'm, I'm looking forward to owning that fucker on iTunes, and just being like, every now and then, just being like, I'm going to watch the fuck out of Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, one of those ones that I'll, It'll be right. It'll be a fucking Thursday night in a movie that will be, mm, which yeah. isn't a, a detriment to it. No, perfect. Um, okay, so were we doing surprises or disappointments now? Disappointments, I'd say, because then we've done some positive, and then we'll, we'll throw out some negative uh, into the meow. Okay, so you got top five. I do have a top five disappointments. Yeah. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to do it? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. My number five. Uh, in the heart of the sea, number five. Is it the number five as yeah. well? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, it's not about the thing about great disappointments are they don't necessarily be bad films. They're just films where you didn't quite get what you wanted out of it. Uh, I didn't get quite what I got in the heart of the sea because what I either wanted was a story of the Essex, yeah, or I wanted a a story that featured the Essex but was a story of Moby Dick, and what we got was nothing. It was in between the two of them. Uh, and I, I felt disappointed the fact that you've got that budget, you've got that director, and you've got that cast. Do one of the 
fucking hell, but make your mind up. And it, it, it did feel like a film that was filmed caught between two stalls. Yep, exactly. No, I mean, you know, I, I couldn't say it better myself. And after Rush, I was thinking, Ron Howard, big budget. I've still not seen Rush, and I, I bet it's fantastic. It's really good, is Rush. Um, but yeah. Um, okay, um, you're number four? Because that was my number five. Uh, my number five, Black Mass. Okay, yeah. Um, that story, that cast, um, you, you, you you should be producing something better. Like you really should be. You know, you have a you have the story of Whitey Bulger. Uh, even if you take away Johnny Depp, the rest of the cast is fantastic. Even if you throw in Johnny Depp, yes, he, he can't do it anymore. Clearly, he can't because the prosthetics are stupid. Because he doesn't look like Whitey Bulger. If the prosthetics made him look like Whitey Bulger, you'd be going, okay, but they don't. They're, yeah. it, it's become a crutch now for him that he has to look different and weird and kind of otherworldly. Mm. But, but Whitey Bulger didn't look like that. And it doesn't make sense. So, although it's a perfectly passable movie, it, it's just, when you've got all that, you, you, you should be making something better. You yeah. really should. It, it, was, it, was, it was a disappointment in... How mixed it was, yeah, how subdued it was. No, I mean I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I, it's not on my disappointment list because it was Scott Cooper who I'm not in love with any of the stuff he's put out so far, and I'm not particularly in love with Johnny Depp. So it's I, 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 I yeah. I mean, we we reviewed only a few weeks back, and it was like it's fine. Mm. It's fine, but it probably it, yeah, it probably should have been more than fine. But it's not one that stuck out to me on this list. No, it, but it, it is what it is. When you put it up against another similar era gangster movie of the time, uh, it's like Don Brasco. It, it, it it's it's not. If you say Don Brasco, they said no, I said now a ten movie. Mm. You compare Black Mass to that, it's a. Five out of ten movie. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, my number four is The Nightmare. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, which I was really looking forward to. Um, I quite liked Room 237, and I was intrigued to see what this guy... Um, I hated Room 237. I, 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 yeah, it's easy to hate it. I don't know, I was caught up in it, but um, almost is more like a, I don't know, a visual piece of art or something more than the actual content but it, it works on me blathering nonsense is what I yeah call it. fair enough um, the nightmare is blathering nonsense <laughs> um, and you know the whole kind of like using actors to like, act out the people's nightmares and stuff and it just basically oh, re- yeah it resorts to jump scares to try and keep people interested because what the people are talking about is basically the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again and um, I don't know it kind of felt like this type of subject matter could have had something more interesting or maybe this is just the definitive account of this subject matter in that it's not very interesting. So, who knows? But, yeah, that's my number four. Uh, your number three? Uh, my number three is uh, Legend. Um, mm. Story of the Craze. Uh, you've got Tom Hardy playing Ronald original Cray. Uh, you've got a decent supporting cast. Uh, around them, um, you've got, I think the the kind of the goodwill of um, things like Peaky Blinders, like that, have set in the tone, like that. Uh, 
and then you did a legend where you got a brilliant trailer followed by a film feels very ITV drama. Mm. It, it, it just, you never feel like you're learning anything new about the craze. Um, you feel like if you take away Hardy, quite simply, you would have a TV movie. Mm-hmm. He elevates it slightly above a TV movie because he, he does play both characters quite different to each other and he does get them quite well. It, it, it's a great performance, but I think beyond that, there's not a lot there in the movie. And it, it, it just felt like a huge disappointment in the fact that I think if you had a better director um, or writer uh, on on staff, you'd, you'd, you'd have a, a more interesting movie. There's a, there's, a, there's a story to tell there, and the problem is it's been told badly once, so it, it ain't going to get told better another time. Yeah, it's coming up. Is it? Yeah. Oh, so, right. Um, my number three is It Follows. That's a disappointment. Yeah, because of the amount of noise that people generated about it, and... Noel and I went into the cinema, It'll very, very pumped. Yeah, yeah. And um, the the air in the room got noticeably lesser as it went on, and as we went out, we were not the only ones muttering. There was a guy who just said that was the biggest piece of shit I've seen in ages, and I the incessant love for it absolutely baffles me. It baffles me. I I don't get... I I just... I don't get it. I'd like someone to explain it to me. And just no point. You know, so it is what it is. It follows. Number three. Talks about it enough. Okay, it comes up later on. Yeah, number two. Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. Okay, yeah. Um, That's fair. You see, the thing about Age of Ultron is, I'm now at the point of where it was teetering my bottom ten. Because I'm now at the point where, I, where I'm, I'm prepared to say, I don't think Age of Ultron is just a disappointment. I genuinely think it's a it's a bad film. Okay. It, it might have some good scenes in it, might have some good sequences in it, but one of the key things that I've heard people criticise certain other comic book movies about is that they look like slightly like you're playing a computer game while you're watching them. Age of Ultron looked like that. Yeah. Age of Ultron also got stupid in points. Mm. It, it went into stupid. Ultron, look, you know, I, I don't give a shit what it looks like in the, in the comics. I don't care. We're not watching a comic, we're watching a film. And you have to tweet things for your different mediums. And if you piss off some fanboys, so fucking what? Like fucking films aren't fucking tweaked characters to piss off fanboys. Ultron looks like, Ultron looks bad. The way he looks, looks bad in film. Yeah. It does, you know, there's no getting away from it. Uh, it felt like Whedon didn't believe in the script and the story and got bored halfway through. Yeah. Uh, Whedon himself acted like a, a he couldn't wait, like, like he, he, he knew that he couldn't slag it off, but that he could be a bit of a a bit of a fucking moody fucking teenager that look after his fucking younger brother on yeah. fucking vacation is what he felt like about that movie. Yeah. Uh, and it, it all felt a little bit like even like Marvel would admit and go, Yeah, we fucking we dropped the ball. 
We've got a bold edge, Voltron. But we're, but we're going to rectify it with Civil War. Yeah, um, it already feels like they've slightly written it off yeah. with Civil War and Doctor Strange, like Black Panther and whatnot. It just feels like that that was the end of the initial Avengers bit, whatever, just move on, it's fine. The thing is, it, what, what, what Marvel have to do now is ensure that they haven't dropped the ball, they've just fumbled a little bit and they have to try and catch it straight away yeah. again. Um, and to be fair, Ant-Man's kind of helped with that because it was received pretty Ant-Man, well. Ant-Man's not done a disservice, certainly, yeah. Um, there hasn't been too, oh, fuck, in a row. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, there's a possibility uh, Deadpool could, could kind of just not 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 raise that, certainly, because it's not high-profile enough. But Deadpool could kind of, like, just make a, a few extra people. It's not going to lose any fans of Marvel, but it might make a few peripheral people go, that was fucking cool, let's go. And get people that might say for Civil I'm War. I'm still of the opinion that I think it's going to lose money hand over first. It, will it absolutely will not. Okay. I, 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 it's too low budget to lose money. Lose money. It's too low budget to lose money. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, yeah, like you say, it does... If, it, if there was no publicity behind it, I'd absolutely agree with you, but they are, they are, they are pushing No, that. they are trying. I just think they're preaching to the converted. But we'll see. We'll see. I think I'll bet one out. But, I, I, yeah, I mean, Age of Ultron, it, it is just, it's one of those weird ones where it, it, it felt it, like it was, it was going to be really, 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 really big. And then it came out, and then Jurassic World just pissed all over it. But no, no, no you, you, had, you had stories coming out saying that everybody, when uh, when James Spade did his first reading of Ultron, everybody stopped and just clapped. Brilliant, fantastic. Why the fuck did you use him more then? Yeah, yeah. Why did he become a, a, essentially like a, a joke character in the background, like a Bond, like a, not a Bond villain, but the, the archetypal fucking idea of Bond villain why did yeah. it become that it was, it was it, it, it's a bad movie and there's nothing away from it it's a bad movie I liked it first time round I, I tried to watch it with Donna and we got halfway through and we turned it off and I've never gone back to it again you take away the idea of the modern Marvel movie you put that out there fucking 10-15 years ago and people are talking about Age of Ultra in the same fucking way they were League of Gentlemen it's a bad movie Extraordinary Gentlemen League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yeah, yeah. lot of you know what well, there it is then. Go ahead, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is... The fuck is my number two? Oh, yeah. I remember what it is. Tomorrowland. I still don't watch this. Because it's George Clooney in a film directed by the guy who did The Iron Giant, Ratatouille, and Mission Impossible 4. Summer Blockbuster... All sorts of mystery wrapped around it. And it's dull as bloody dishwater. <laughs> and it, it basically seeks to lecture you about how you are shit. I am and, shit. Though. And how the modern world is shit. And do you know what would be good? For everyone, everyone to go back to the 50s and wear stupid looking bloody uniforms. And be optimistic but not really do anything. Well, I just thought to then because cause in my mildly fucking tipsy brain, I thought it was say, and be Optimus Prime. I was like, that sounds fucking great. <laughs> no, uh, it, it just, it's, it, it is boring. There's barely any fun to it. 
it, it feels, it does feel like you're being lectured at, but unlike Birdman, it doesn't feel like it's very entertaining. It's just Brad Bird basically going, I am better than you, and I think more, cl- more highly than you. Let me explain why. And I, I it's weird. Like, they, they, he, he seemed to be framing it as like, it's trying to be more optimistic about the future and whatnot. It's like, yeah, you, you're being optimistic about the future by basically saying you want to revert people to ideals of, cold, well, not Cold War paranoia, but that era of the good old American family and like little his, Jimmy having inspiration about... Uh, it, I've had it his name off a... Um, a cartoon which essentially started pop culture in the modern sense and started meta comedy in the modern sense yes. and then further further fueled his name in uh, Digimotion yeah and also took to Twitter recently and complained uh, complained about franchises and whatnot. when this film before this was Mission Impossible 4 and, and his name's film is in The Incredibles 2 yeah. so it's just no that's a bad Brad Bird. No. To be fair, he wasn't helped by Damon Lindelof either. Damon Lindelof wrote it. Yeah. Oh, fuck that, man. So, you know... It, what a fucking hack that guy has been outed as being over it, the past... Since, yeah. I'm sorry, since he, well, he, he quit that the, fucking the terrible is, TV he's show. He's so hot right now with the leftovers that, like, everyone now loves Lindelof. Leftovers? Yeah. The TV show? Yeah. Is that a hit? Yeah. It's shit. Series two like had people fucking jumping all over their pants. So that's that's the thing. Like Lindelof, I don't know whether we're supposed to hate him or like him anymore because the internet's too fast for me. Well, do you know what? I didn't watch Lost, but people either say it's shit or make excuses for why they don't think it's shit. Every film he's touched has been shit, and I watched half the first series of Leftovers and literally would prefer to cut off my own foot than watch any more of it. Mm. He's, he just seems like a writer that I, I don't understand why he's got the, the the reputation he does because everything he seems to touch seems to turn to bullshit. Yep. Fair enough. That's my number two. Yours? Number one? Oh, number one. Number two. Number two as well. Uh, number one, uh, oh, yes. Crimson Peak. I thought you were going to do It Follows. It Follows comes up later on, but... I thought you said this was your number one. No, I didn't say number one. I'll just spoil it, your number one. What? This is your number two. No, 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 no. it's my number one. My number five was in the art of the four I thought you said It Follows was coming up. It is coming up, yeah. In surprise. In no, I didn't say surprises, disappointments. Oh, right, yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Crimson, Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. Um, what the fuck is in Crimson Peak on my list? I don't fucking know. Um, it should be. Uh, in the fact that... It, <sighs> Crimson Peak isn't terrible. It's not. It's not terrible. It's a 6 out of 10 movie. But... It's Jim Del Toro. Why isn't, why isn't it better? It's the only explanation I can give to it. It, it, it should be better. The, the CG eye on it looks a little bit ropey. Oh, uh, my number five can fuck right the off. Ghosts, this, goes, this actually goes in at number two. Yeah, the ghosts feel um, in symmetry to Devil's Backbone. It's just fine, but it's made 
12 years, 15 years later, mm. it, it could make it look better. Yeah. Um, you know, you can get away with that. There was Backbone, a low-budget Mexican fucking movie that, um, about ghosts. Get away with that, it's fine. But in this, you, you shouldn't have to. Um, it, the story runs away with itself. It stops making sense and it feels like they run out of it. I, I even to a point, I don't agree with the, the, the general consensus is that the story's crap, but it looks great. I, I think it, it, it it looks great at points, but I think at other points it just looks. At other points, it looks a little bit like the fucking TV special Rose Red, the Stephen King uh, novel. Looks a little bit like that uh, in terms of the house thing. It's it's a huge disappointment in the fact that not that the film should be better, but Guillermo del Toro should fucking be doing better. You know, we wait a long time for del Toro movies, and this was the promise of this was. Oh, it was going to be. It was in my pants. I do a backbone, but in English, it was shit if it's in English for a start off. Mm. I just want to. I just want to see something like that. It, but in saying that, I I loved um, uh, Pacific Rim, and I I, I loved uh, uh, Elboy too. So I don't give a shit about it, mate. I just wanted to be fucking good, and this just felt. It felt like mid budget Del Toro, and like almost like. If he's got ten million, he can produce gold. If he's got a hundred million, he can produce gold that nobody else will like. Yeah. But if he's got sixty million, he produces <laughs> that that noise. It's going to be interesting. I mean, like it's been announced this week that his next project is going to be a remake of Fantastic Voyage. Yeah. That James Cameron's producing, and yeah. it's like instead of and that's going to be instead of Pacific Rim. Yeah. The sequel. I'd love to see a Pacific Rim sequel, but I'd also love to see a, a fantastic voyage. Um, I just Del Pacific Toro. Rim. In the end of the day, that film didn't have to have a sleep sequel. It wasn't. To. It wasn't leaving stuff open. It was like, right, this rift's closed now. I'd imagine Pacific Rim too. They'd find some other ones or something. But that film closed down. It's like, right, everybody's arcs are completed. That's fine. If we got more, that's great. If not, never mind. So that's fine. Crimson Peak, yeah, it's, there's really nothing to it other than the production design. Yeah. I mean, that, really, you know, it's not scary. Yeah. The chemistry between Hiddleston and Vazakowska is non-existent. She's a crap actress. Chastain is admirably Full. nutty towards the end, but there's not enough of her doing that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's disappointing. I'm, I, I, I do want to watch it again, but I've got a feeling I'll think exactly the same. And you got that whole bit with Charlie Hunnam talking about spirit photography or whatever, and then that bit never actually comes back. No, I don't. My number one is Legend, because Tom Hardy as the Grey Brothers should have been great. It should have been great. Yeah. Um, it didn't need knock-off Goodfellas shots. Um, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It didn't need Emily Browning's from Beyond the Grave Grave voiceover, um, which I, I uh, just know. Um, I mean, you you said it all really well. Then, frankly, it's just it's such a missed opportunity yeah. that I, 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 I and yeah, it's one of. I mean, it made like eighteen million pound, yeah. which is. A lot, <laughs> you know. So it's done decent money in America as well. Yeah, it's, 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 it's actually not done bad. Yeah, you know, I, I don't feel bad towards it. 
in terms of it making money, that's a bad thing. I just think it's... It, Opportunity. Can you hear that fucking wind? Yeah. We are in Michael Mann's ideal London view right now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, very right. We are. Nice view from where we're sat. What was there? Right, so uh, let's move on. Um, I've got a feeling that I might crash in a bit. We might have to record in the morning or something. <laughs> you, you, you're struggling. We, we have to do um, seven, five, seven, six, and then five, and then. Oh, I've got disappointments and worst yet as well, haven't we? So. Six, five disappointments, then we'll do the, the rest of the volume. Oh, we'll see how we go. Let's see how we go. Um, all right, so do you want to do your number seven? I certainly can, yeah. Uh, my number seven is, um, I've actually announced it earlier on, um, because it was the same as Brad's number seven. My number seven is The Martian. Oh, yes, yeah. He's got The Martian. Um, I, I recently rewatched um, a couple of nights ago, um, Second time, I really enjoyed it the first time, um, but I, I really, really enjoyed it the second time around as well. You know, um, and it probably would have been, it had been touched my top ten first time. Mm. The second time, it, it fairly wasted itself in there. In the fact that it's a great, it, it, it's just plus just plus two hours uh, the movie. Two hours twenty, I think it is, which yeah. is not maybe not just push that. That's quite a bit of the two hours, but yeah. it, it's ridiculously entertaining. It's it's fun and it's light-hearted and it's it it, it feels more like an adventure film mm. than it than it maybe should do. Um, what's beautiful about it is the the the, the standout parts of it are when you've got Matt Damon on a planet on his own. Um, Essentially, in his his own words, sciencing the shit out of everything. Mm. Um, that's when it becomes more entertaining. When he when he's he's essentially he's working out problems, and you had a lot of people um, coming out and doing that fucking snarky, ridiculous, bullshitty fucking thing of going, "Well, he wouldn't do that, and he wouldn't do this, and this wouldn't work, this one wouldn't work." And I thought, you know, Ridley Scott's not one of those people who I. You know, I think he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a very competent director. I think he's a very solid director. I don't think he's a great, great filmmaker. I, I don't. I think he's a filmmaker who's made great films. There's a difference. But his answer to those people was, was fantastic, of where he said, well, for a start off, if you, if you talk to people, these people are trained you know, astronauts are trained by, you know, everybody, and they're also trained by the military as well, in terms of, right, you deal with problems in, in certain ways, and the way you deal with problems are, number one, establish shelter. Number two, establish a food source. Mm. Well, no, number one, establish shelter. Number two, establish a food and water source. Number three, is establishment of communication, and number four, find a way out. Yeah, and if you look at the Martian, that's what he does. He does those things. He establishes right. This is my base. I have shelter. This is how I'm going to eat. This is you know I've got water source. Now I need to do communication. Let's do this. And the other bit is that people criticise, well, what the physics of it on, the, the, the 
thermodynamics, gastronomics, and all this shit. In Ridley Scott's answer, that was, you're all missing the point of the fact that he's on Mars. We've not been to Mars yet. You can't then turn around to me and say, oh, the 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 physics of getting out of Mars are wrong. We've not been to Mars. Yeah. You, you're, you're, you're not... You're not starting off at that. You can't not start at that. But you can't start off five miles down the road and tell me you don't know where the shop is five miles back because I don't know where it is. Yeah. It's stupid. He said. So you, the idea of the way we won't do this uh, is a uh, one. I'm not saying it will do, but it's all bollocks. Mm. He said. So fuck off. Which is a great response. Yeah. Uh, and I just imagine it is a thoroughly entertaining movie, and I think that. Matt Damon, although he won't win the Academy Award for it, um, because the yeah, Capital will for it, but um, whether or not he deserves it or not, which I'm not saying he doesn't. Um, but he absolutely deserves an award, uh, and a nomination. And if, let's say, he did get an Academy Award, well, anyone fucking hold it against him. It's a fantastic performance. It managed to... What's a, one great thing about The Martian is there's one big and emotional breakdown from him. And it, it, it happens, and it's gone, and it's done. And that's it. And it, it could be full of emotional breakdowns, but it isn't. There's one. And it, because there's only one, it hits you more. In the fact that, when you look at it, this guy has grown fucking crops on Mars. Yeah. And then when the shit hits the fan, when all that gets destroyed, and it looks like, quite literally, he is going to die, that's when he loses his shit. And you look at it and go, do you know what? Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's a moment you can lose your shit. Yeah. It's a fantastic film. It's a fanta- really is a fantastic film. Even if you take away that little fucking three minute section that looks like an advert for Lincoln University. <laughs> Which bit? The bit where the fucking the Pathfinder and there's the the Pathfinder thing and at the um, what's it called? The uh, Rocket Propulsion Station um they do it with the Pathfinder, they're communicating with him on that. Oh. And they have that speed you know, oh, yeah, montage yeah, yeah. bit. It looks like an advert for Lincoln University. I don't know, fair enough. <laughs> it uh, does. Um, <laughs> um, my number seven is uh, Xavier Dolan's Mummy, uh, which has had a bit of uh, film Twitter outrage this week because uh, Netflix apparently screwed with the aspect ratio. Which they did change. Sorry? Which they've changed. Yeah, which apparently wasn't actually Netflix doing it. It was just a technical snafu with the mastering of the copy sent to Netflix. Uh, um, yeah. Um, to be fair... Which, 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 what I will say about that is, well done on David Dollar for getting in touch with them, but that open letter was... Made sense. I agree with the idea of the letter, but it was incredibly pretentiously worded. No, and it did make me look at it and go, "I agree with your point. I agree with your sentiment, anything like that." But my God, you sound like such a dick. The, the thing I've got to say, judging by the films of his that I've seen, and the fact that the guy is younger than us, mm-hmm. like comfortably younger than us, I'd say fair enough. It, no, 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 no. I, 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 I don't do grace for that. For sound like a dick. I no, I, I no, I, 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 I don't know. It does genuinely. Have you seen Mummy? I've, I, I've not seen the film. No, but 
but still, the letter, the letter that he just said, although I agree with everything he says, I think it's fantastic. I, I do think it, it was, it, it, it was, I agree with all the sentiments other than that, but I did read it and go, I agree with what he's saying, but, oh God, you sound like such a the, the, the aspect ratio thing is a really, 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 really key moment of the film. It might well be, and I, that, I haven't seen the movie so, so that there's, there's that to take into account as well. Yeah, it's it's really, really key, it, and when it changes back again, it's fucking suffocating. I, 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 I yeah, and I might change my mind when I, when I watch the movie, but but it, 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 the, the letter did feel a little bit like okay, you made your point, but. From from his point of view, I could see why he kicked off in the way that he did. It would have helped if maybe he'd privately got, maybe, got maybe to that's Netflix it, yeah. instead of just here's this open letter because it, it it was basically it looked like he had been informed by Twitter in general that this was all Netflix's fault. And Netflix, how dare they? They've got to fix this. So he comes at Netflix when it was a technical error. And that didn't feel like he wrote that as a response to that. It felt like he sat down and he wrote that over a couple of hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it it just, it seems like it wasn't Netflix's problem. But anyway, it it was just, they will show show what they're given, Netflix. They're not going to, do anything it, it just yeah um, but yeah the film itself it's uh, pretty heartbreaking I mean it, it's it's very upsetting it's claustrophobic thanks to the aspect ratio and you genuinely don't know what's going to happen from one minute to the next really um, it's just a piece of a kind of like social realism which just so happens to have a Britpop soundtrack and aspect ratio changes, which add a shitload of emotion and feeling to the whole thing. It's I, I, I it's it's a fantastic fucking film. And Dolan's uh, a guy. I've still got a couple of his films to catch up on, but he's for me between Heartbeats, Tom at the Farm, and Mummy, he's free for free for me. So there you go. Right, we're away at the moment, are we? Um, we're away for the for the for the, the for the night tonight, aren't we? Yeah. Um, yeah, my missus is watching a couple of like my missus and my daughter are taking this opportunity of moving away to a bit of a film night. So they're gonna they've sat down, they're gonna having pizza and they're having. We've got like a load of sweets, stuff like that, because we all eat sat on a table uh, on on an evening. So having the excuse of they're going to sit down in the living room and they're going to watch something while eating pizza and eating sweets and stuff like that. So I asked my missus, "Oh, um, what have you watched?" Um, uh, and I got a re- response saying, "I don't know, I can't remember what I've watched. I don't know what you've watched." Well, we didn't watch Battle Royale. I can tell you that right now. Nice. Um, so yeah, so so uh, my eleven-year-old daughter's watching Battle Royale, and then they've been watching some. You haven't have yet. Yeah, maybe we have. 
Uh, and then I watched The Faculty, and I must say, Faculty has a lot of boobs in it. Uh, her response to that was, she'll have boobs eventually, she might as well get used to them. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I can't really argue nice. with. Uh, because it's not like a, the boobs in battle in, in faculty are not in a sex scene, are they? They're 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 just boobs that are there. So yeah, so I can't really argue with that. So yeah, so I've had that thrown back at me. Uh, it's my number six then. Yeah, right. Uh, my number six um, is definitely won't be on your list. Uh, is uh, Spectre? Okay. Um, I loved Spectre. Um, I we enjoyed the trailer. I hated the first five minutes of Spectre. I thought it was stupid. I thought it went on too long. Uh, I hate the first fucking sequence, Spectre. To be honest, um, the uh, the fight in um, the helicopter I thought was, was silly. You had uh, Bond getting essentially um, bitch slapped by a, a henchman for all intents and purposes. Uh, and then the more and more it went on. The, the more and more I started to really fall for Spectre, um, I frankly couldn't give a fuck uh, how it, it, it falls within the other the, the other Bond movies. Um, I'm going to judge it on how I felt about it in, in, in that one movie itself, although I do take on board the, 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 the criticism. I, I personally, I, I've tried with Skyfall, and I can't get on with Skyfall. I just, I, I, it, it doesn't sit right with me. But Spectre did. I I, I love um, Craig's broken bond in the fact that from Casino Royale, where you know we start, he's a incredibly cocky agent who thinks that he knows everything and thinks that he can do everything, and then he, he gets broken immediately within the first movie of these uh, of these kind of Craig ones, and then we have this steady, you know. The Revenge, the Broken Bond Revenge movie that is uh, quite solid for us. I think it's a great movie. Mm. Um, and then uh, you have the Skyfall, which, although I don't like the film, um, you have him losing something else. Um, Spectre is almost the culmination of, of those three movies in the fact that you've got this guy who is now has no idea really what he's, what he's fighting for. Because everything that he's fought for has, has, has gone. And he's now doing it out of nature rather than anything else. It's all he knows. I do. It's all he knows. That we exist is this. And then it's brought to him that this isn't this, this thing that he's doing, this nature that he's doing, where it's brought to him this thing that he's reacting to and he's doing what he does outside of it and um, it's no longer a personal, uh, it's no longer a personal thing. It's brought to him that what he's doing now isn't about anything else. It's about him. It's it's all about him. It's all aimed at him. It all lands on him. There's there's that element to it of the fact that, hang on a minute, this this fucking, this this organisation, yes, they're doing world donation on that, but they're, why they're attacking me isn't against, isn't, they aren't attacking me, attacking uh, the country through me, they're attacking me. Yeah. This is personal. And I, I, that kind of got missed in the, the whole, the whole looking at, at Spectre. And the thing was, I went and looked at Spectre and said, oh, well, you know, it, it's not as good as Skyfall. And personally I thought, well, I, I think it is. 
but there's also there's the the other wrong thing of you, you, you can't judge a film in its series against its previous movies. You should judge it against itself. Is it a good movie? I think Spectre's a great movie. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to enjoy it. Um, I personally, I'd be happy if that was it. If that was Craig's last Bond. And if you're not going to do it his last Bond, have his last Bond either be him quitting as Bond or him dying as Bond. I think he's, he's already quit as Bond. He, he, he himself's quit as Bond, but he is contracted to another one. Whether or not they are, whether or not they... No, no, no. He, he will do another one. Like, despite what he said, it was like that fucking thing that came out last week about Christoph Waltz will only do it if Daniel Craig does another one. It's like, they're both going to be contracted. I don't get how that's a thing. Like, they... If, it's it, not I, 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 I think if, if the studio went, we've got somebody who we think's next Bond, but they make sense as next Bond now, Oh no no They'd no! Go for it. Yeah no no totally, but they don't. And I think I think I think we 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 both have an idea. We we both like to be our next yeah. bond, and I think it's the same guy. Well, Stevens. Yeah, I think it's yeah, Stevens. Yeah. yeah, because I'd like to see. I would like to see him return. I, I don't like the previous Bond movies. I, I don't like Bond as a franchise. It, yeah. It's not. It's you you do that. that that's fine. Yeah. I, it, it doesn't appeal to me. I've liked Daniel Craig's Bond because. He's a bit more gnarly. He's a bit more broken man. I, I love a broken man story. You, you love breaking men. I do love breaking men. Me too. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. You can break and watch a cry and come all over. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, that's why I enjoyed it. And yeah, expect to fulfil that for me. I, I, I really enjoyed it. No, fair enough. No, I, I uh, kind of disagree. But, you know, it is what it is. That we're, we're supposed to be celebrating these things, so... My number six is The Revenant. It will come up later on. Fair enough. Oh, sorry, let's just talk about it later on. Um, is it... What are we doing now? Number five. <laughs> Shit, all right. Yeah. Fine. Um, number five, and then it'll be our uh, disappointments. Cool. No, I, I was surprised. Number five, uh, for me, it's Sicario. Okay, it's nice. quite earlier. Do um, yeah. I love about Sicario? It's such a small story. Oh, I thought you were going to say the tagline. Oh, you can tagline fantastic. In Mexico, Scarab means him up. It's a fantastic tagline. It's a brilliant tagline. It, it, it gets you engaged. In the movie. It's, <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, I, I, I like Scarab because it, it, it's such a basic story. Not yeah. what happens. But it's not the destination. It's the, it's the fucking journey. There's so much happening in that journey, in that small that small distance that you go to. One of the best scenes in Sigario is where they, is where you, you see the sheer scale of what they're doing in that, that bus station. Mm. And that's the moment where Emily Lund realises that she's not important to, this, to, to what's going on. She's there and they'll use her if they want, but if, if, but if she wants away now, it, it ain't going to affect what she, what's going on yeah. at all. Just the the fact that she is literally there throughout the whole thing, so it gives them some sort of ju- jurisdictional yeah. okay to do what they're doing. Yeah. That is literally all she is there for. And it, 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 it's fantastic that, it, that, that that she's used in that way. It's a it's a brave move, yeah, as a filmmaker. 
in the, the the current fucking ridiculous fucking climate we're in in cinema at the moment, to cast a woman in that role is an incredibly brave move. Mm. To cast Emily Blunt in that role is an incredibly brave move, and for Emily Blunt to take it on is an incredibly brave move, and she's fantastic in it because she's a great actress and there's a relevance to that point. It, it, it really is a, a brilliant movie. It looks fantastic. Mm. It's, I'd be very happy for Deakins to, to fucking win an Oscar for that because it looks incredible. Yeah, sure. They, when they're going through that tunnel in Mex- out of Mexico, there, it, it's startling and beautiful. It's, it's incredible. I think it's a great film. I really, really, really do. I, I'd be happy for Del Toro to become a best sporting that would be lovely. It's not going to happen, but it would be lovely. It would be like a nom, but not an award. I don't think he's getting a nom. I think he'll get a nom, but not an award. How much do you want to bet? Your left toe. I don't know about the left toe. <laughs> five, though. I'll be a five, I'll get it. Yeah, I'll be a five, I'll get it. He gets a nom. Find out next week. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so my number five is Carol. Oh, oh I'm, I'm opening a beer. <laughs> I'm opening a beer. Why do you hate Carol? I don't. I know you don't. I do not. Why do you Carol. hate it? Because all you say is stuff you hate. I don't hate it. Carol has cinematography to die for. Um, Kay Blanchett, Rui Mara, I want them to get together very badly in real life. I, I, I just, I want to see them just get together and it be all right. Carl Chandler. Like, you feel for him so much, despite the fact he, like, you would think he's the two-dimensional husband getting in the way, ex-husband, and he's jealous and bitter and blah, 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 and yeah, he is, but he also has feelings and a daughter, and he understands what that all means, and Mark wants to go. Go, 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 Mark. No, 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 you can see when you think about it. I think Carol is um, one of the best psychological horrors I've watched in a couple of years. Right. It is. It's, it's a it's psychological horror that has convinced people it's a romance story, and it's not. Um, you take a, you, you replace the character Carol, the lead character in the movie, Kate Blanchett, who has been highlighted in this podcast uh, before, uh, by Kate Blanchett, who I have issues with, and she's fantastic. She's fantastic in the lead role. She, she, she's incredible in that. You replace her with a guy, it's just not called Carol, she's called Colin. That entire movie has a completely different, completely different look to it, doesn't it? But why should it? The whole movie is, okay. is what people have taken of it, is that it's this story of, of, of two people who just happen to fall in love and happen to be at the same sex and against all of these odds. Well, there's not all of these odds against them. At no point, and I've watched it twice, at no point, in the movie, does anyone tell them that what they're doing is wrong because they're two women? It doesn't happen in the movie. No point in the movie does that happen. It doesn't happen. We've got his Carol, a woman. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It categorically doesn't happen. Nobody tells them they're wrong for doing it as two women. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. What's his divorce case brought up on? Ah, ah, ah. Okay. Okay. Fine. It's brought up on what is what is what is. It was a genuine question, Mark. It's brought up upon moral grounds, right? 
doesn't state that it's between because she's having affairs with other women. It's because there is a pattern of behaviour that happens to be women. Not brought up women. No one mentions that it's because it's women. There's a pattern of behaviour of the fact that she has a pattern of behaviour of affairs. You you think... So you're saying if it were Carol and a bloke... No, I'm saying if Carol were a bloke. Right. Right? No, but wait, that's different. No, that's not regarding at that point. Right? Carol. Right? Mm. Look at this way, right? I'm looking. Carol goes into a department store, which yeah. is what um, Therese works at, right? Yeah. Essentially, picks up Therese. Yeah. Oh, I said, right? Then brings her to a house on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Right? With the intention. What's the intention there? It's with oh. the intention of the minute. I the, don't have the energy for this. The minute the discussion, the, Mark. The minute. Why? Because because the minute that <laughs> that she goes, that her daughter goes to bed. She's got she's got sexual intentions towards her. There's no getting away from that. She does. Which and Carol does. Carol does. Yeah, Carol does. Yeah. So she does. You know what I mean? She does. Yeah, Carol right? does. So there yeah. you go. Right. Yeah. Then. Carol, and this is a spoiler for Carol, but I don't be shit, right? Then Carol finds out that there's this moral fucking depravity um, clause within her, in her, in, in her divorce, yeah. why is that kid, right? So instead of thinking, hang on a minute, maybe I should stay low-key, stay at home, like that, the first thing she does there is goes and says to Therese, let's go away, let's go away. Takes a young girl out of her job, and takes her away for essentially a dirty weekend. Takes a young girl away for that, uses her for what she wants to get out of her, and then dumps her. No, he just 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 leaves her. Quite literally, leaves her alone. And to be fair, there are extenuating circumstances. What are the extenuating circumstances? Because she knows about those before she goes away. They aren't new fucking information yeah, to but her. But she doesn't know that it's going to be used directly against she her. She does know that she's going to be used directly against oh, her. It's God. said, it's said in the meeting with the solicitor before it that it's going to be used against her. Moral depravity. There's these things. One of them that he's mentioned is this I, girl. I, I think she thinks in that. Who, moment, Carol? That, yeah, that Harge mm. isn't going to go that far. But, but so why playing with why quite literally you can look at it two ways one you're either playing into his hands or two you're just chasing your own selfish endeavours which is what she's doing she's doing what she's doing there because Harge has taken her daughter away from her maybe Harge has taken her daughter away from her because yeah Harge comes back and what there's this fucking strange woman in his house Maybe that isn't the first time he's come back and there's been a strange woman in his house. Well, no, it's not. If, it's... Hang on a minute, right? Let me just flip it on its side, right? Okay. Harge comes back, right? They're separated, everything like that. And yeah, he, maybe maybe he shouldn't burst into the house. That's I would just I, I would just like to say for the record, it's 20 past midnight. I'm, I'm rather tired. Well, you brought up Carol. Um, right. Let's let's just say it. Harge comes back in the house, right? 
Yes. And goes in. And Therese is a guy called Terry that she's picked up at the department store, right? right? And it's a 24-year-old Terry. Hot Terry from the department store, right? Right. Everyone's opinion of it changes. It, if there's a pattern of behaviour, maybe he's not looking at it and going, that, it's, hang on a minute, she, this is her time with our daughter and she's got a fuck toy around waiting for our daughter to go to sleep so that she can then have her way with this. Maybe that's the pattern of behaviour that is wrong. Everybody's looking at this movie in completely the wrong fucking way. It is. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I am not saying it's bad. I mean, it's a fantastic movie. It really is. But it's not the story of, of, of this, oh, they just want to be, they, they just want society. It's not that at all. It's a story of essentially a, an older woman who finds this young girl that she can use, that she can have as her plaything whenever she wants like that because she's young and impressionable and that's, that's it. Even gets to the point of the end of it where she says, oh, I've left Hines, I've got this apartment and everything like this and there's room for two. And she's like, well, no, I, I don't want it. And then she goes, do you know what? I'm going to play the one fucking card I know that's going to fucking get you. I love you. She don't fucking love her. She just wants her there a fuck when she wants and when she don't, she'll fucking dump her. It's, uh, it's fantastic, but people who buy into it as this fucking unrequited fucking love story have completely missed the fucking point. It's not. It's a, Carol's a horrible person, and I adore her for it. I think it's a lovely love story. It's a terrible love story. She's groomed her. Grooming is, 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 is the closest thing you can get to that. Okay, she hasn't groomed her. In the, end of the, in the end of the day, at the start of the bloody film, Rooney Mara, Mara's character is already feeling isolated and like what is being forced upon her is not what she actually wants, whether it be at work or in her in social life. She's basically with that with the guy because she thinks she's supposed to be with the guy. Fair enough. Don't disagree with that. Right. Carol comes in. Yes, she does essentially pick her up. Yep. She's not an underage girl. No, she's not. So I, said that. I think the term grooming is a bit... It, grooming is, 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 is a little bit trite, but also I do think it, 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 it's a little bit on point as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, in a way, yes. Um, and I know you didn't mean it in the underage sex kind of way, to an extent, but... In the end of the day, I, I don't know. It's a story of Carol, who I think at first is basically like, she looks like she's going to be a bit of fun. But I think they find a connection on that road trip. I don't believe the second she falls in love with her. I totally do. I don't believe the second she falls in love with her at all. I think she's nothing more than a fuck tie. I, I, don't, I don't see that. I don't see that. She leaves her the, she leaves yeah, her yeah, the, the second The only the reason why she leaves her is because it's affecting the one other thing in her life that she actually However, cares about. However, she actually at one point spits, turns round, points at Hodge and goes, our daughter will be better off with you. And what at the end, what is... What is the resolution? What? She maybe maybe she just thinks, you know what? 
I don't know, we better offer him. Because no, she turns she, around, she, she turns around, she's having a Sarah Connor conversation with Sarah Paulson, isn't yeah. she? And she says, Sarah Paulson says to her, do you know what you're doing? And she says, I don't think I've ever known what I'm doing. Essentially, slightly paraphrasing. Mm. Um, maybe she just realises, do you know what? I'm not fucking, I'm not, I'm not together enough for this. I'm a little bit fucking sky. Yeah, which is why by the end of the film they've basically agreed shared custody. Yeah. Well, no, they haven't. They've agreed, they've agreed he's got custody, yeah, he's she's got, got visitation. She, yeah. she gives up the idea of shared custody because she quite literally turns around him and says, you'd be better off. Yeah, so what, what's, your, what's your problem with that? My point is that, what? She, hang on a minute, she's, she's proposed with a case of, you can't see your daughter because Hard has got a, a safe custody and says, you can't see her because of these moral reasons, Right. And everyone assumes that that's because, oh, she she likes women. But he's never stated that, she like, that that's the reason. No one ever says that's the reason. And no, they don't. Well, no, they no one ever states they that... do. No one ever states they do, right? But in private they would. But in that... But, no, but, they, don't, but they don't ever state that they do. But they don't ever state outright they do. So anyway, right? <laughs> so continuing on with that, she then, later on, essentially agrees. Maybe our daughter would be all right to him. So if you're assuming that, that they... Is saying that that is because it's with women, you've also got to assume that maybe if you open it up to worlds outside of what is directly said, maybe this isn't the first affair that she's had. Because we know it isn't the first affair. She had an affair with Sarah Paulson. So we know that isn't the first. So maybe that isn't the first time that Sarah Paulson has had to say to a girl, oh, by the way, she's gone. Maybe that isn't the first time she had to do that. Because it doesn't seem like that's the first fucking bed that Sarah Paulson has sat at the base of and said, pack your shield, let's go. So maybe she should come to the realisation, do you know what? Maybe I'm not the best fucking mother in the world and maybe she would be better off with Harge. And that's it. I... I, I'm too tired for it. I'm too tired, I'm sorry. That's my, my, my argument on Carol fucking wrecked your brain. I, I, it's not wrecked my brain. I'm just, I will get into, I, I'm happy to redo this tomorrow. <laughs> it's been a lot of recording tonight, man. <laughs> there has been some, we've got a lot of recording. We've been there. Breakfast oh, is going to we'll be fun. We'll be all right, we'll be all right. Is that all right? You're very wrong about Carol. You're very wrong. You're very wrong. I'm incredibly spot on nailed on about Carol. Very wrong. Nope, you bought into this ridiculous idea that it's a beautiful, lovely love story that that has been peddled and it's not. It's a terrible horror movie almost. Ah, that's bought into shit. Weird step, though. Really? Yeah, step. Oh, that was nearly an hour and a half in itself. 
Okay, so it's the morning after, and I think I'm probably sounding more awake. Mark was sounding pretty bloody awake last night when we left <laughs> with Carol. Um, but we're going to leave it there with Carol, because uh, that could go on all day. We, we're going to agree to disagree on Carol. Yeah, yes. Despite the fact that, that Ian did put out, I, I don't think I made it clear that I actually really, really enjoyed Carol as a movie. I, I think it's a fantastic movie. You'd, yes, you just have problems with it. Yes. Um, so we're going to do our top five surprises now. Uh, Mark, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, my number five uh, surprise uh, will not be a surprise to a lot of other people but it was to me it's inside out okay. um surprised me in the fact that i i don't get on with, with pixar but i i, I really thought inside was a fantastic movie um i mean it, it's nowhere near my, my top um 10 or top 20 or anything like that but for me to actually like a pixar movie after it finished is it, quite a quite a rarity so yeah number five was was, was inside out i thought it was it's really well written, really well meaning, a nice looking piece. Uh, it, it kind of it straddled the idea of there's enough sort of colour and enough uh, sort of whimsy there to get really young kids involved. Nice, yeah. But also it, it floats right up where there's there's a lot of kind of meaning in there and there's a lot to look at it, I think, from the, the whole parenting aspects as well. Um, so it, it really it really worked for me. I thought it was a, a really good movie. Very cool. Um, okay, so my number five is The Man from Uncle. Um, I had no reason to find number four. Oh, fair enough. Cool. Okay, great. No reason to suspect that I wasn't going to like it. It just the, the 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 advertising had wasn't amazing. It was coming out in like the middle of August. It kind of felt like it was being dumped, and it kind of was, yeah. I think. Um, but it's like light and frothy, very very stylish, fantastic score. Um, cast all look like they're having fun. Um, and you know, I wish we were going to get a sequel, but we never will. Yeah, uh, pretty much the same for me. I, I, I hated the advertising uh, for it. I thought mm. it looked it, it looked terrible. It looked like a, a subpar kind of Bond thing, and it, it didn't didn't work for me at all. Uh, and then when I watched it, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It was it's it's fun. It's the best way to describe it. it uh, it's a caper mm. movie, which which you don't get a, a lot of now. It, it, it's it had the balls to not be spoofy or be over the top, but still be a lot of fun and a little bit kind of silly, but not not zany silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, exactly. Um, oh, number four. Uh, yes, my number four is the gift. Uh, oh yes. Uh, so yeah, um, I, I was very surprised by this one just because it seemed like it was going to be a fairly standard issue kind of like mysterious stranger is a threat kind of thriller and it, it morphed into something more yeah. than that and uh, you know the, the question of who the real bad guy was kind of switched all the way through and then I think the answer t- towards the end is like well there is more than one bad guy not everybody's just bad or good everyone shades of grey but there there is one character who's probably more shades of grey than another. And it's also Rebecca Hall's film, which wasn't really given away in the marketing. Yeah. Marketing was very much, it's Jason Bateman versus Joel Edgerton. Yeah. But no, not really. I mean, like, the, the setup is that, but then Rebecca Hall kind of takes it on and, you know, she's very strong-willed and seeing her faith in what she thought she knew get eroded through the course of the film is very, very well done. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's Blumhouse again, you know, the Blumhouse strike again. Yeah, uh, Joyston's 
directorial debut, I think, wasn't it as well? Yeah, yeah. and he's, he's, you know, it's, you now look at going, well, <coughs> oh, please, make more, because it was, it was a massive success, and it kind of came out of nowhere, really. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's been quite a, a critically well-received movie. Yep, absolutely, man. Um, okay, your number three. My number three uh, is uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. I need to see this. Um, for a start off, it's called the Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. So you don't actually expect that much. You expect it to be Scout's sort of fighting zombies and it looking a little bit kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, the marketing made it look very um, crass and a little bit kind of childish. And then you just kind of think, well, it, yeah, it doesn't look like, I don't, you know, I'll watch it, but I'm like, it'll work. And I, I saw it on one night at about midnight uh, on a, over before Christmas. Um and after about 20 minutes, I was sat thinking, all right, this is a lot better than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And by about 40 minutes, I was going, all right, I'm actually really, really liking this. It's, you know, the setup is, is fantastic for, for what happens. Um, all of the, the performances are brilliant. Um, it's crass, but without being... It's crass, but without being nasty with it. it, sure. it it's fun with it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of playful with it. Um there's some great scenes like where they have to jump out of a uh, a bedroom window and get over a wall to buy some zombies so they're all looking at a trampoline going oh, oh no and it, it works it's a, it's a fun movie it gets in gets its job done gets the fuck out uh, before it starts dragging but yeah I was I was really impressed actually it's the the tool the tooling up scene where they tool up to what is it and sort of use all their scoutiness to do shit uh, is really good and there's also there's a nice kind of Sort of dramatic vein running through it that, that works quite well. Nice. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I, I, I will give it a shot. I know you talked about it on the show a few weeks back and had me intrigued as well. I just, you know, uh, end of the year, like it's kind of like you want to get stuff that you, you think is going to be mm. in your best of list or could be. And I'll be honest, Scout's Guide wasn't one I was thinking would be there, but I'll get to it now. No, it's, it, like I say, it, it's one of those, I probably wouldn't have watched it if I, didn't, if I wasn't up at midnight. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, my number two... Yeah, no, sorry, number three is Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Just trying to think this. Uh, yeah, which... Um, I just wasn't really that fussed about seeing whatsoever. Just, like, kooky yeah. film fan, got kid, makes friends with a girl dying of cancer. Yeah, great. But And it's... I mean, it's not perfect. Um, the girl... Is, by the end of the film, the girl means less to the film than you thought she did, yeah. uh, which is a shame. But the girl, Olivia Cook, she is fantastic in this. Um, like she, she gets the whole gamut of emotions of having cancer and like kind of just the, the general like living, knowing that there's a time bomb inside you. So yeah. you know, you you can't be miserable all the time. Yeah, you know, it, 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 like <coughs> you, you've got to kind of get on with your life still. That that's really well done. Um, but the the relationship between the me and Earl as well is 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 interesting and it's it's fun. Um, the the film parodies are actually pretty solid. Yeah, but a, a, a sock work orange, which is a clockwork orange with socks, uh, if like that's fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like it's. Uh, it's it's. I don't want to say too much to be fair because you haven't seen it. But no, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it quite soon to be honest. Yeah, be. fair enough. I'll leave it there. But I was I was I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Um, number two, my number two is Spy. Okay, yes, um, nice. 
if you were to ask me, I'd say I'm not a Paul Feig fan, but uh, I've really liked his past two movies. <laughs> like, really liked his past two movies. Uh, the only movie it was that I didn't like was was Bridesmaids, and I, I think I should re-watch that just to see if I was in a funny mood when I watched it. Mm. Uh, because I really like The Heat, and because I, I really like Spy, it's, it's fun. Um, and I, I think we've had that a lot this year from, from films. There's been a lot of fun films that have, that have worked, that have settled quite nicely, I think, this year. Mm. Um, it, it's been a fun year for cinema, um, really. Um, and that's what the Spy was. Melissa McCarthy is, uh, she's a great comedic presence and a great comedic performer. Uh, and she holds that film together really well. She's... The problem is all the marketing for it was all was far too much of it seemed like it was going to be Fat Girl Fall Down. Yeah. Um, because on all the fall down jokes are in the trailer. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. And it's it it's really because they don't have the kind of bravery to go, no, it, it's not. This is a woman who's doing her job really, really well. But then they what they do in the trailer is they go, oh, look at this bumbling fat woman fall down. And look, here's Jude Law doing his job really well. Yeah. And it... it it kind of it misled you, but then when you actually watch the film, it's a, it's really entertaining. Did you did you see the thing on Twitter this week about the like the DVD disc of it, the image on there? No, it's just Jude Law and Jason Statham like back to back with their guns. Yeah, and it's just like, where's the main character? <laughs> Which is a fair comment, you know. I, I, I it's interesting. I, I I wasn't surprised by how much I liked Spy because yeah, I liked the Heat and I liked Bridesmaids, mm. so. And I'm looking forward to Ghostbusters. I don't care I what people say. I'm looking forward to that. I am. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think the the all the, the current sort of um, set for things like that look look good. It looks like it could be a, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm looking forward to it. So. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be with us slightly sooner than we think, won't it? Like, I think it's June, so yeah. you know it's coming. It's not far away, is it? No. Yeah. Um, It'll be a trailer very soon, I would think. Yeah, you'd imagine so, wouldn't yeah. you? Like, whatever the next big Sony film is, I'd, I'd think the trailer would be attached to that. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe earlier. Um, okay, my number two is Turbo Kid, um, which uh, I had an absolute blast with. Um, it, it, the thing is, it was one of those Fright Fest films where you think, oh, they're lauding it at Fright Fest. Yeah. It's going to be, like, just one of those. Yeah. But it's... Very, very, very violent, but it's also very sweet. Yeah. Uh, the relationship between Turbo Kid and Apple uh, is really, I don't know, it's really nicely played out. You want to see those two kids kids get together yeah. really badly by you know by the end of the film. And Michael Ironside gives really good bad guy. Yeah. You know, he's he's as Michael Ironside bad guy as normal, which is the acceptable level of Michael Ironside, <laughs> Ironside bad, bad guy. guy yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so, I mean, it, it very low budget, but uses the kind of, like, just real locations and, like, digital grading and score really well to yeah. evoke, like, 80s, like, kind of like a John Car- Like, it, it's like a, a kid's play version of a John Carpenter film. It is, yeah. Um, which is great. And just the... I, like, I love the beginning as well where it says, like, it is the future. The year is 1984, or it is, <laughs> which is which is which is fantastic. So yeah, Turbo Kids, my number two. I'm really looking forward to watching that again. Yeah, uh, I've, I've not seen it again. I know Becky's watched it a couple of times. Uh, she really really liked it. It was in her top ten of the year, I think. Um, my number one uh, is Pixels. For the simple fact okay. that is that if at the start of the year you'd have told me, oh, somebody's making. Um, a movie where a lot of computer games uh, come back uh, attack the planet I'd have gone 
oh, that sounds like nostalgia baiting fucking bollocks so yeah. I'm avoiding that and then if they'd have added oh and it's got Kevin James and Adam Sandler in it I'd have gone oh fuck off oh and Kevin James is the president and Adam Sandler's his mate uh, and they they they, they race Pac-Man in, in minis I'd have been at the point going I what no this this is too stupid <laughs> for even those people to make yeah. and then they, they did make it and I watched it and I actually watched it going, right, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to go in with an open mind. But essentially, in the back of my mind, I was watching it for bottom 10 fodder. Yeah. And then it finished. And I watched it on a Saturday night at like 7 o'clock. And it finished and I thought, do you know what? That was perfect for Saturday night at, at, at 7 o'clock. That was, it was a perfect film to, to watch at that point. I, you know, it's, I enjoyed it enough that I'd probably watch it again at some point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't hate it. You're not, you're not gonna have me like yeah. complaining at you. I think both our number one choices are probably disappointments to some people, yeah. to be honest. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I thought, you know, I felt sorry for Michelle Monaghan. Um, yeah. Like her role is basically slightly shrewish divorcee who cries a lot yeah. and Adam Sandler hooks up with her. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler hooks himself up with a lot of attractive women in films, doesn't he? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Um, my number one we will have at the end of the show, but I will say it's Mordecai, yeah. but we'll have more of a discussion of that at the end of the show. Please don't shoot me. Um <laughs> So back to the uh, top ten, and what is your number four? My uh, number four is Mad Max. Okay, okay. Um, we spoke about Mad Max quite a lot on, on, on this show, so I won't take it too long. Um, it's it's one of those films where when I sat down to watch it, and it was about to start, the thing that rattled through my brain was shit. What if this film isn't as good as everyone's saying it is? Yes. And then I'm disappointed. And so I was worried. And then within a minute and a half, I was going, yeah, I have no need to be worried. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. And then it was. It, it's, it's fantastic. I love the fact that it quite simply is a car chase from one place to the other. Yeah. And then they go, we need to make a decision. And Max kind of finally snaps out of his madness and it's a different type of Mad Max which is brilliant because he's mad and angry in the first one yeah. and, in the second, and in this one he's mad he's crazy yeah. he's, he basically goes right I've, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer mad but I'm about to tell you something that is quite mad we go back yeah. and they go what? and yeah. we go back <laughs> and it works yeah. um, Hardy absolutely essentially is there to be Max and to be there but he's happy to give the film to Charlie Theron and say, hey, look, this is your movie. I'm not this out of character, but I'm just going to sit here and go, mm, uh, and, and do that. And he he doesn't seem to care, really, about whether or not people think he's the star of the movie. I, I mean, he said, I, I don't, I'm not a star of the movie. Charlie Theron and John Miller are the star of the movie. Yeah. I'm just in it. Yeah. And that's perfect. Looks fantastic. Um it's 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 amazing that that film got made and um, it it thoroughly it deserves all the praise it's getting. Who's coming up? Okay. Um, my number four is Steve Jobs, um, which I 
I, I was just riveted what like watching the actors doing their thing yeah. here. You know, Danny Boyle lets them get on with it. He's got a, a, a couple of directorial flourishes that yeah. are kind of like the, the Dylan quotes, like are projected on the like the the wall and yeah. the, the 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 shuttle launch and whatnot. You know, so he he has his thing, but and and the whole shooting each different period in different stops yeah. uh, and then digital at the end that's like that and kind of aspect ratio shifting and big titles yeah. you know you kind of do any of those things you've kind of already got me um so um yeah i mean like i i i very much i was in i was in this film's wheelhouse yeah but also just the fact that like sorkin has written it not as somebody in in interested in like tech but as a human story yeah and I mean, like, I'm listening to Sorkin after as well. It's fascinating because he says nothing in this film is made up. Everything happened, but maybe everything didn't happen at the time it happened in this film. Yeah, you know, which is kind of a hard concept for people to get their heads around. I think, mm. like, the fact you've got all this real in in quote marks stuff in in artificial settings. Yeah. But it it just it's a film. It heightens the kind of the, the the drama of it all to have all of this like happening before these product launches. And also, like there were people like studio people saying to him, like, "Can't you have it before the launch of the iPod and stuff like that?" He's like, "A, it doesn't make sense from a time point of view. B, I don't give a fuck about the iPod. I don't care about the tech. I care about the people and their debt. Yes, they're they're." thoughts on the tech, but more I'm more interested in what their grounding is in the thoughts of the, the tech and their reactions to it and so their actually reactions to each other, like the cube, the perfectly yeah. like the, 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 that that thing and that is, is not there as Sorkin interested in tech. It's an interesting narrative device to have people go off on him yeah. about his quest for Clo- clo- a closed system, closed system yeah. through the cube, you know, and it, it, it's like a visual representation of this closed system and how he's closed off to other people. You know, I mean, it's not rocket science, but no. it works. And I think it's very lushly written. Um, the performances are top notch. Like by by the end, completely don't give a shit about the fact that Fassbender doesn't look like him. You just don't care. No, you, no, it's. T- yeah, he, he's fantastic in his fast bender. He, he, he takes on a mannerism, I think, that, that works. He he becomes your your the version that you see of, of Steve Jobs mm. within that very quickly. I think. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, no, Steve Jobs, my number four. I'm really looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching Steve Jobs. Uh, my number three is The Big Shot, which we okay. spoke about on the last show, so I won't talk about it, it too much. Uh, just, I really enjoyed it. It's a, uh, it's. Um, a, a timepiece in kind of modern history that, that kind of fascinates me. Uh, it's a sort of uh, a world that kind of fascinates me as well. So it's it's playing to somebody like me. Uh, and when it's done as well as it is, it, it's it's very entertaining. You've got the ridiculousness mixed up with the uh, with the actual severity of, of what was going on, uh, and then you've got these guys at the centre of it who essentially are. They they are portraying the fact that they know what's happening. They're betting, they're they're banking on it happening. They are they they want it to happen. But then when they realise the severity of it, 
they don't feel bad, but it, it, it hits them. But then they realise that, hang on a minute, this is everything we wanted and everything we predicted. But shit, now it's happening. We're, we're making more money than we predicted we were going to make, but it's fucking more things up. Mm. But hey, at least we're going to be on the other side of it with a lot of money. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's a weird kind of way to look at it, but it is like that, and it, it's very much is, um, it, 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 okay, holding up um, kind of like a microscope and saying, look, this is this is what happened. This, this is what fucked everything up. And by the way, it's all happening again. Yeah. You know, and in this country, we're about to drop the investigation at corrupt banking. Um you know, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, that's mental. We're about to drop it for because, well, let's face it, because a lot of people that are investigating are horrified on us. Yeah, yeah. Which is the only reason why it's getting dropped. So you're now throwing up into it. <coughs> Corruption's becoming something, I think, across the globe and in, in big business and in, in, in governments. It's becoming something that has steadily become more, as it becomes more exposed, it becomes something that's more accepted. Yeah, it just and generally does seem to be more like it. Just you're expecting it to happen. Yeah, and and so as it becomes more expected and becomes more exposed, and and, and there's no repercussions, or there's nobody that can cause these repercussions. There's nobody mm. that can point at them and go, you know, a perfect, a prime example is FIFA, for instance. There's nobody at FIFA can turn around to set by for years and point at them and say, right, we're closing you down because it hit. For so long, he held all the cards. Yeah. And that can be mirrored across big businesses and, and, and governments, is the fact that they're accountable to no one. They hold all the cards. And now, they're essentially, they've been openly corrupt. Yeah. To an extent of where, very, very soon, you know, within the next 50 years, you will quite literally have a prime minister or a president who will televise them getting bribed by a fucking, what is it, just to go, look, 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 I'm getting all this money to to, to, to sell our resources to a different country, and look, this is me shaking the guy's hand. Yeah. And that's that's what it is. We, we're, already, we're already at it, you know. Yeah. You've got televised things of, of, of Cameron shaking um, hands in Saudi Arabia, you know, a country that's just been thrown out of the UN for its... Um, Terrible human rights record. Yeah, it's insanity. No, I. Yeah, I, I don't know. You could you could go into those issues all day. Oh yeah, and, and, and probably a better forum than our <laughs> our, our sweary podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Go on, what's your number three? Uh, number three is Inside Out, um, which very good. Uh, yeah, it's yes, it's very good. Um, yeah, I, it's wonderfully smart. Um, I. I'm slightly when you were saying earlier on about this kind of colourful enough for little kids. I'm a little bit unsure of that because um, you've got you've, you've you've got actually got two year old daughter. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, like she, what there wasn't that fussed on it at all, but yeah. she's not fussed on a lot of things like at the moment. So it is what it is. But it the thing is, it's more about it's more about the story than it is about the watching the characters run around and mm. do stupid shit. Um, you know, which I think Pixar with Monsters University and Cars 2 have been guilty of. But also, like, with Brave, that's a film which is concerned about its story, but is just a bit lacking. It's just a bit dull. It lost its way, I think, Brave. Yeah. It ran away from them, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, quite. So this, it's, like, perfectly formed. Um, it is very, It is very emotional. The... The way it 
that what it comes up with at the end, that, like, you have to have sadness in your life to be able to appreciate everything else, you have to let sadness in every now and then, is, a, like, a wonderful notion, which, you know, really, only this film can can convey visually, you know, the whole yeah. kind of, like, because it's got the characters in their heads. Um, so, I mean, it, it, you know, wonderful in that aspect. It is, it is fun, and in Bing Bong, you've got a, a character who I thought was going to be shifty. I thought he was going to be yeah. the, the fly in the ointment. Yeah. He was going to be the bad guy. But in the end of the day, there is no bad guy in this film. If there is a bad guy, it's growing up. Mm. But even that's not really, because like by the end of the film, all those other like lands have opened up, and there's so much more emotional complexity for the kids to have. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that's the thing. They're, they're, Really, there is no bad guy in this. No. You know, you'd kind of think maybe Sadness would be, or Bing Bong would be, or, like, her parents would be even. But no. No one's a bad guy. It's just a girl living, like, they're going through adolescence. And, you know, that could sound boring, but it's really not. Yeah, it's not. It's a piece of... Yeah, it, it, it's... It, it hits all the right beats, I think. And it's got Lewis Black as anger, which is <laughs> as perfect casting as you're ever going to get, yeah. frankly. So, yeah, my number three, Inside Out. Cool. Um, my number two. Yeah, should we do twos and then worst? Yes. Yes. Um, my number two is The Revenant. Okay, cool. Very um, recently watched. Um, it's it's that kind of a weird um, mix of um, kind of Herzog and Malik, I think, uh, within it, where you've got the, the ridiculousness of the the setting and sort of the brutality of the setting uh, and then it, it's kind of mixed in with quite a lot of it, it takes you into this world and then you live within this world while you're watching the film it's, it's all I think almost all of it really that's beyond beyond like a couple of scenes is set outside um, there's very little dialogue within it um, in terms of for, for the sheer length of the film and it seems like these these people are, are constantly in peril of something, you know. The, the a lot of the sort of marketing about it has been like it's it's Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, just essentially travelling, you know, to get revenge. And it, it, it it's it's kind of not. There's a lot of other stuff going on uh, mm. within this within this film. Um, you know, it's it's visually it's stunning to look at. Um, the performances are all fantastic. I'll be honest, I think Leonardo DiCaprio has been better. Uh, yeah. But I think he's very good. Yeah. Uh, he will win the Oscar for it because it's his time. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of sad that the Academy is becoming that, though. Mm. That, that performances aren't winning because they're the best performance. They're winning because it's it's their time. However, it is one of the best performances of, of, of the year, uh, without question. I personally think Hardy steals the film. I think he's, he's fantastic. Uh, a testament to that is um, Becky, when we watched it, had forgotten that Tom Hardy was in it. Mm. And about an hour into it, she went, shit, that's Tom Hardy. Oh, really? Okay. I was like, yeah. And she went, shit, I've only just realised. Yeah. I've only just realised that, that that's Tom Hardy. Um, and so that's a testament to how he, he, he takes it on. Um it's it, it's just a fantastic film to look at. It's fantastic to watch. It's great. It, it, it's 
it feels how long it is, but it doesn't feel too long, if that makes any sense whatsoever. No, 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 yeah, totally, yeah. It, it does feel like you've been sat there for two and a half hours, but it doesn't feel like, oh, shit, this this is going on a bit. Yeah. You know, it just, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, the, the, I mean the, the cinematography is incredible. There's, like, shit in this that you've, you've never seen done before. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, like, the, the kind of the initial attack. Yeah. Like, just, like, the way the camera's flowing... Um, it, it's, it's a constant movement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, yeah, kinetic yeah. for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, DiCaprio. It is basically watching Leonardo DiCaprio do a lot of really gnarly things to survive. Yeah, but that's captivating. That's it really is, interesting. It is, you know, there's, there's, there's some great moments in the moment where he puts the um, gunpowder in his neck. Oh, and you see the like the fizz of the fire yeah. like, when he applies it. Oh my. God. And you watch him going, oh, he's going to do this, isn't he? This yeah. is going to really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 it's, it's, it's like that. And it is, it is great the fact that he's he's not just travelling somewhere. He's he's having to essentially get through all of these tasks to get back. Uh, and then he gets back and it's not, he isn't getting back to, to, to survive. He's, it isn't about survival. It, it's a proper full-blown revenge story. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It works really well. And you've got a proper bad guy. Yeah, you know, is full. He's in full bad guy mode. Not a single thing he does is is good, with the exception of one thing. It is the fact is that when he's saying about you know we need to go to um, Will Poulter, he's right. They do need to go, mm. not for the reasons that he's saying they need to yeah. go, but they do need to go. But then he doesn't keep up the charade. The minute Will Poulter asks him and says to him, you know. Were there, any, were there anybody down? Was there anybody down there? He just yeah. goes, yeah. yeah. And it, but in his mind, what he did was right, and he's he's completely he's a proper nasty person. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a proper nasty person. Um, you know, he at the start he's just a bit of a shit stirrer, yeah. but by the end, he, but he's not like maniacal or anything. It's just like I am very much out for myself. I've made fuck all money on this trip. Yeah. Now you now you know now you're telling me we got to lug this guy around from a point of view you can understand like you can understand where he's coming you from. You understand why he's why why he's pissed off. Yeah, you, you, you actually you, you, you can't. He's just going about it in completely the wrong way. But yeah. you can see his point. But yeah, it's a it's a fantastic film. And he said, you know, I know from reading about it with Interactive, you know, he fully admits that the production kind of just got away from him a little bit, but yeah. not in a in a way they were always in control of it. But it just, it was more grueling than expected to be, and it cost a lot more than expected it to be to, to cost. But once they got down that road, they had to fucking keep going, as they did, and they produced an incredible movie. No, yeah, I mean that's, I mean that's the thing. It's just it's like the technical proficiency is absolutely spot on, that's which in those conditions must have been brutal. Mm. Like doing those camera moves in those conditions must have been so hard. Mm. Well, I mean, everyone who's worked on it has said it, it's the hardest film I've worked on. It yeah. wasn't a, but they've all been quite quick as well to say, look, I'm not saying it was a bad shoot. Yeah, what yeah. I'm saying is it was a difficult That's shoot. the thing, like the, the, the kind of the press on this has been, it's been kind of, like the press trying to deal with a shoot being difficult, not necessarily being bad. Yeah. You know, and like, how do they report on that? Yeah, I mean, DiCaprio, because DiCaprio doesn't, doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's yeah. DiCaprio, he's, he's built that kind of world for himself fantastically. Mm. Um, but he's, he's said, you know, that it's, 
it's a film that I, I didn't I didn't I would never say I enjoyed making it. Yeah. But I'm really glad I have made it. Yeah. But I would absolutely work with all the people again, you know, because there's a lot of rumours going around that he'd find out they're going to have to and everything like that, and, and they're both very quick to go, no, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no, not at all, not, not even. We're going to say no, a genuine no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is fantastic. Yeah. You know, it was my number six, so you know that's what I feel about it as well. Yeah. Um, any more on that? Or no. uh, my number two is Room. Uh, so yes. Um, very, 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 very late entry here, but I'm happy with where it is. Um, yeah, I've not been as emotionally affected by a film in a, 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 in a while. Like Inside Out did at moments, but this film, there are there are whole scenes throughout where I like felt like I, I wanted to cry. You know, <laughs> like I mean, really, it's and it might well be. Be you know because I'm a dad, so it'd be intrigued, intriguing to see your point of view on this. And like Brad was saying yesterday, like I think it would work more if you're a parent. Yeah. And I, yeah, totally. But it, I don't know. Jacob Tremblay, the little kid in it, is stunning. Yeah. He's so good, and he's probably going to get an Oscar nomination. And I'd be alright with him getting it. Yeah, it's not just little kid performance. It's- he's it, it, it's it's a great performance. He one hundred percent nails how kids build worlds for themselves with their own logic. And yeah. if you try and break through that logic, they'll kick off. Like Lottie, like at the moment she's got this this thing of whenever she has a bun changed, she gets out the changing mat, she gets out the nappy bag, she gets out the pseudocrem, opens the pot with her teeth opens up like the wipes and whatnot and if you touch them she's got to start all over again oh. you have to let her do her thing because yeah. and like she like she she will not do it she has her own ordered thing and the way that kids have that thing but they don't have the you know it's all ego so they don't have the capacity of maybe somebody else is correct on this one you know and that's what this kid is doing in in room um, but you've got that contrasting with Brie Larson, who, you know, she's she's been trapped in this room for seven years. She wants to get out, but, I mean, like, horrible, like, the guy who's trapped her, like, basically comes in every night and rapes her. Um, but she's got her ordered way of doing things. Yeah. And when... Um, Mild, you've seen the trailer, haven't you? Not seen the trailer, no. Okay, do do you you know what happens in terms of them in the room? Yes. Okay, so mild spoiler, but it is in the trailers. But if if you really don't want to know, maybe skip a few minutes. But once they get out, once they escape, um, it, 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 it turns into the kid... Adapt, like adapting his world yeah. and realizing there is new stuff around and how amazing that is to him. But then Brie Larson, once she's out, not being able to deal with the world because her kind of ordered way of doing things is being is being messed up by the situation, you know, which it, it isn't helped by the fact that it's like national news interest that this yeah. girl this, this girl's been like found and whatnot. Um, so like, and she struggles with it. 
and watching her parents struggle with it. Like William H. Macy is her dad in it, quite a small role, yeah. but he, the way that he's processing things, it, it, it feels kind of cold, but also, yeah, I could see why that character would feel the way they're feeling here. Um, I mean, it's it's really fascinatingly played by everybody. But, I mean, the direction is, you know, it's very unfussy, but the framing is really spot on. The use of the wide, like the 2.35 to 1, yeah. is fascinating because at first it makes the room feel bigger than it actually is. But then there's a moment, there's a scene towards the end where the room is revisited and then because of all the like the, like the outside world stuff you've had for like the preceding hour or so going back to the room it just it seems like shit that's really small yeah like it's it's amazing how in the in the first part of the film they feel really that, that it, it actually feels like yeah it feels like they got space it feels like they that they could be somewhat comfortable with yeah. that and then at the end, it's like, fucking hell, they stayed in there. It, it, it's very well played. Very well played. Oh, so. to catch now. I was, I, um, it was, it's the one that I was a little bit, I wish, I, I wish I'd watched that. I, I just, just run out of time. Fair enough. Um, okay, so let's do our worst. Yes, I've grabbed my iPhone back. Uh, let's get these set up. Okay, so do you want to do you want to just like run through them? I don't think we need to take too no, much no, it's take too long. Uh, my worst, uh, um, we should run through. Yeah, my worst number ten is uh, taken three, which is just crap. Yeah, um, Liam Neeson find out his daughter's pregnant and then tell her he's hungry. And his response it, it is still the most bizarre scene in, in, in cinema of this uh, year. Uh, Forrest Whitaker eating evidence. Yeah, it's a particular favourite yeah. of mine. It, it was it was close to my list. It, it, it might be one of the ones I rewatch and go, do you know what? This is on an Alex Cross level of brilliant, but it is, uh, it is number 10 uh, there. Go on, watch number 10. Uh, the Loft. Oh, you terrible person. <laughs> because it's bad. It's, I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. The, the thing is, I the last couple of years, like I've had films that I don't, like, there's been a lot of films in my bottom 10 that I haven't really hated. Yeah. And The Loft, I don't hate. But it is bad. <laughs> I can't argue with you on it. I've been bad, but I really do like the Fair enough. I'd, I'd say no more. Number nine. Uh, number nine, Aloha. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's just yeah. not very good. Yeah. It's, it, it's yeah. And I really like, I really, really like Cameron Crowe. Fuck, I even like Elizabeth Town. But Aloha is just boring. By the time it gets to uploading all the music in the world onto that, like, yeah. satellite or whatever it is, it's just like, what? Well, you, wow, you have lost the thread here. Yeah, like, it, no one's business. And I, you watch it going, end, end, yeah. end. Oh, thank Christ, it's ended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go and watch your number now. Uh, Insurgent. Uh, Divergent oh. Two, which is just the most boring blockbuster. And like, did you have you watched that? No, no. Is- Isabel watched it, um, and she watched it upstairs. Then came downstairs, but finished. Was like, is that any good? And she just looked at me and just just, just shook her head and just went, no. Yeah, no, nothing happens. Nothing happens. It's staggering. Yeah. Nothing happens, Mark. Yeah, it, it, nothing. I, I will never watch them. No, fair enough. Number eight. Uh, Fantastic Four. Yeah, okay, fine. It's just not very good. <laughs> I, I liked it more than you, but yeah. I, I still didn't like. I didn't 
think it was a good film, but it, it, it's not very good. It felt it felt lazy, and like the only people who give a fuck were the people who were in it, and even they stopped giving a fuck halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's got the bit with Toby Kebbell walking around exploding people's heads. That's quite entertaining, yeah. Uh, number eight, Paranormal Activity Ghost Dimension. <laughs> because it's called Paranormal Activity <laughs> Ghost Dimension. Dimension. I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a really... It has wrapped up the franchise, but it doesn't give you any satisfying answers. And the scares are really poorly telegraphed. And it's just it, it's just the same again. Again. Yeah. You know, I like, whatever. It, I'm glad it's done. Uh, number seven. Uh, American Ultra. Um, um, this, it's yeah. not very good it's yeah. it's an action movie made by somebody who thinks they're making a really cool movie and it's just not it's just dull fair enough um, my number seven is Beyond Clueless oh fuck I forgot about this yeah which is just an hour and a half of boring um, no insight whatsoever even as a visual essay it's not it, it's just not interesting um would have been in my bottom ten had I remembered it even existed. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I, yeah, I mean, it just—it's a complete waste of time. Is beyond clueless. Yeah, uh, number six. Uh, it follows. Yep. Um, it just—it's. It, I just didn't like it. I, I don't. It's one of those buzz films that everyone says is amazing, and I watched it, um, and I wasn't even disappointed because I kind of went into it going, "It's gonna be crap," in it, and then it was, and I just felt a little bit with Buzz films to be honest fair enough um, my number six is The Woman in Black 2 Angel of Death um, okay, I completely forgot it's, it's just really bo- did you watch it I did watch it yeah, it's yeah. really boring it's so dull yeah like re- I just yeah I, again barely anything happens it's like they just made a sequel because why not why not because, yeah. like, because the first one did really well and then this one didn't do that well and fair enough yeah I just very much whatever. Yeah. Number five. Rick four. I I yeah I would have count. I think I would have counted. I would have had this last year. Yeah. If like because I watched it right at the start of the year, but actually why? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Rick four just not really good. It needs to be made. Yeah. <laughs> it's, no. It, 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 uh, you've taken from me a horror franchise that was interesting and different. And you just made a straight to DVD horror film. It's amazing how Wreck and Wreck Two are so good, and Wreck Three and Wreck Four are so like bad. bad. Yeah, it, it, I mean it, that's really stunning. I mean the same people involved in everything. Yeah, yeah that weird. Isn't it? Uh, num- my number five is Area Fifty One, the long delayed Oren Pelly um, film, which nothing. It, it, it seems to be a bit of a theme of nothing happens. Yeah, to be fair, nothing happens. Um, the first half of the film is them preparing to go to Area 51. The second half is them running around Area 51 and then getting sucked up into the air. That's about it. I, I like it. Was just, I, yeah. The, there, there was little surprise. It was sat on the shelf for like five years. I would say that. Uh, number four, uh, the visit. Uh, <laughs> what? It's crap. Not that bad. It's terrible. Uh, I, I really do wish that M Night Shyamalan would stop making things, please. Stop making things because you're not very good at it anymore. Uh, yeah, I didn't like it. it just it, just uh, couldn't get on with it. Number four, love. Number three, love. Lo- yeah, nice. No, literally, the only thing I liked about this film was the use of the John Carpenter music in that one scene in the club. Yeah, that that was it. It made me. It made me 
it, it made me bored of looking at boobs. Yeah, it's it's. I like I like self indulgent movies. I like directors I'm, and I love um, Gaspar Noé. I like directors to be self indulgent. It, it's fun. This is just. It's 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 childish. It's hard, it's hard work. It's hard work as well, and it? it's just so bloody long with people you just don't give a shit about, and just watching them shagging. And that's I. Oh. It's just not very good. So that was your number three, yeah. yeah. Uh, my number three is Patrick, um, the, um, the the guy who directed Not Quite Hollywood and whatnot, um, who also did Electric Boogaloo oh, yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, Patrick, I think it was actually made a couple of years back, but it, I'm pretty sure it actually got a UK release yeah, this year. Um, yeah, just really, really shitty jump scares. I felt really sorry for Sharni Vincent, who was so good in Your Next, and it's just completely lumbered here with a thankless role um it is all just loud jump scares and i think i think it's close to two hours long as well which is not a good thing no. um and charles dance uh, in the most charles dancey performance you'll ever see <laughs> uh number two uh the lobster which i'm okay. going to talk more about I talked about it last week uh oh, yeah. far last uh yeah yeah just push all the wrong words for me uh for my number two the gallows um, I have watched that. It is just because everybody's it. crap. Oh, it just—it's full of hateful people. It's the yeah. hateful free in this. That's how, and like, <laughs> yeah, they just—you just despise them. Absolutely yeah. despise them. And by the end of it, where I, I don't know, it turns out the, the girl in it was actually in cahoots with the spirit all along, or whatever. It's just. I don't care and I'm glad those guys are dead because they're dickheads. <laughs> that was it. I mean, it was awful. Awful. Uh, you're number one. Trainwreck. Couldn't stand it. <laughs> don't like the fact that Amy Schumer has been foisted upon us and said, look, here's this person. Here's this person. Here's this person. You love her. I don't. I think she's an unpleasant person. Uh, not an unpleasant character even because it's just her in the film let's face it she's not playing a character she's playing her and then when she gets her big emotional bit I watch it going no you deserve it you deserve to be miserable because you're a terrible person why why should anyone feel sorry for you you're a terrible person accept it you've been reveling in it and kind of showing off in the fact that you're a terrible person don't now try and get me to feel sorry for you when people point out that you're a terrible person you should be sad you should be alone because you're a terrible person if you're going to wear it like some fucking badge of honour you have to take the consequences with it I thought it was an unpleasant movie the only thing that was vaguely interesting in it is, is LeBron James driving 70 miles back to pick up his sunglasses that was the only decent bit in it. It was good. It wasn't good. American Sniper, of course. You had that last year? No, I didn't. It was your worst film last year, wasn't no, it? No, it wasn't. Was it not? No, okay. I, I watched it in mid-January. I watched it after we did that list. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought it was your one last year. I'm, I'm very scared that it was. <laughs> I've, I've made my feelings on American Sniper very well known. I don't need to go back into it. Just to say, his wife this week debated with Obama and uh, and she didn't want gun controls to be restricted because she didn't think it would help any. Yeah. I'm sorry, no. Just because your husband was like very like it, it is tragically killed yeah. by uh, uh, by a guy on a shooting range doesn't give you the right to try try and actually basically lobby for arms. Yeah. I like I don't get that sensibility. I don't get that film. 
No. I, what, what, anyway, yeah, American Sniper. But if if I will say if American Sniper were in my list last year, then yeah, The Gallows is fine as my worst film. Are, are you just glad that you, you can get American Sniper as your worst film two years from <laughs> that, that would be fine, to be <laughs> fair. That, yeah. that would be fine. Um, okay, your number one. I haven't got a clue what this is. Uh, my number one um, is um, a, a, a film that I saw that I actually watched the day after we recorded uh, our best of last year. Oh, God, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, and it's a film that's kind of stuck with me as being my favourite movie pretty much throughout the entire year. Uh, Inherent Vice. Fair dues, okay. Um, I, I, I loved it. It's um, It's such a... It's such a shift um, back for Paul Thomas Anderson from how serious um, he'd made the films he'd made um, with um, There Will Be Blood and then The Master are both very serious movies. They're very weighty movies and there's not a lot, not a great deal of levity. They're both fantastic movies, but there's not a great deal of levity within them. Uh, Whereas this was going back to the ideas that he had with sort of Boogie Nights and what's it, and it, it... in her advice, it's a comedy. There's no way of getting around it. It's a comedy mm. that also happens to be a bit of a noir film, a detective film. Uh, and you've got all these these great characters. You know, you've got Josh Brolin, um, Shouting Moto Panakeku repeatedly, which was one of the highlights of the fucking year. Um, it, it is magnificent. Uh, and then burst at the room and just literally just devouring uh, that entire fucking table of drugs. Yeah. Um, it, it is fantastic. You've got him looking at the picture and just screaming yeah. and, and then just sort of putting it down. It's everybody involved in that movie seems like while they make it, they're going, this is a fucking great movie. Yeah. We're making a fun, really great movie. And the fact that, that Paul Thomas Anderson seems to be very much, it didn't do well. But his response to that was, not a lot of my movies do make money. Yeah. I'll be honest, they don't. And if you look back at it, none of his movies make money. They yeah. don't. But they're all critically acclaimed. Yeah. And Inherent Vice is the first one that maybe wasn't critically acclaimed because I think everybody was expecting it to be a little bit more serious than it was. And I love the fact that it was that it was stupid and it was silly and it was zany and all over the place. But it, it, it worked really well. And you know, the, the crux of the point is that you've got Joaquin Phoenix character. He's actually really good at what he does. He just can't be asked to do it that well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> can't, yeah. That's pretty pretty spot on. That yeah. I, I do need to rewatch it. advice. Yeah, it's it's, it's fantastic. And I, I I do genuinely love that movie. It's it's uh, it's one of those ones where I, I watch it to make myself feel better. Very cool. Oh, that's good. Um, a, a film that makes me feel better. Yeah. Mad Max Fury Road. Nice. I love that shot number one. Yeah. I, I already feel a bit bad for it to be number four on mine. Yeah. No, I just, it's, I I went in with a four pack of beer and it was like, my, like, I just finished my last shift before a week off and I was like, have me. Let's yeah. fucking do this, Mad Max. And it did. Um, I it, it, It's just so entertaining yeah. and mental and the action direction is so good and you know George Miller was just all over everything oh, yeah. in this. Every single aspect of the film had his dictatorship over it but it's a dictatorship I'd like to live in. And as well, it's, it's insane that, what is he, 72? Something like that. Yeah, so. that film was made by a 72-year-old man. It wasn't made by a, 
a 35-year-old director or anything mm. like that. It was made by a, a guy who's wanted to make that movie for the past 30 years. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it, it also just, it feels like it's it's going to, it, it's a film that kind of says everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, people are talking about cinema going down the, the, the shitter and TV's so good right now and all that kind of bit. Like, the like the best cinemas now on the small screen and stuff like that. It's like, no, no, George oh. Miller's here to remind us that cinema still very much has a place. Yeah. And it looks like, I, I, it looks, it seems like the type of film that is going to influence. Oh, and in, in positive ways with filmmakers, I think, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said before, Tom Hardy, absolutely spot on. Um, Charlize Theron, great, like, ferocious that character could be a man or a woman, which is like the the, the yeah. best compliment. But the the emotional aspect of it is is very well handled as well. Like I, I, you know, I like the fact that at the start it does just kind of seem like she she feels bad for those girls and she wants to let them like she's had a, a like a crisis of conscience. But mm-hmm. then by the end, it's like no, this is trying to heal some pretty massive psychological wounds inflicted since childhood yeah and um it, you know it's a film that's not told with a lot of words but you understand everything yeah um and it's also got the guy in his pajamas just like waking up and then immediately just like start springing up and playing on his guitar yeah. <laughs> which is my moment of the year um so yeah mad max fury road very happy to have it as my number one and can't wait to see it get a lot of oscar nominations on thursday i would yeah i'd hope, I'd hope it does it it should be i would think uh, we might not win that money, but it'll definitely get. I'm placing a bet on the getting director. You think, I'm yeah. doing it. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to happen. So um, that is it. Should we get some breakfast? We should get some breakfast. Uh, it's a good year in film. I thought 2015. I think it was a really strong year. Um, yeah. Right, end of the show. Isn't it? That, is it? Uh, yeah. So um, we're going to be back next week. No idea what we're actually going to do next week. Um, I don't know what's out. No, uh, <laughs> I mean rooms out, spotlights out. Um, I don't know, actually, if there is going to be anything really to record a review on. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like, if we get desperate, I suppose your thoughts on, on Room would be uh, would be good. Yeah, we might do that. Uh, but let me have a look. Okay, yeah, my phone's being shit. Um, so, never mind. We will be back with something, though. And uh, what you're going to hear now is a conversation we had with Andrew at uh, Byron Burger last night. Uh, talking about Mordecai and a few other things, and uh, we hope you enjoyed the the year end show. Uh, hope the sound was all right uh, for the uh, kind of the out bits, and uh, even though that would have been in the last show, wouldn't it? I suppose a lot of it would have been. Yeah, um, but yeah, we will uh, speak to you next week. And uh, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. So we're now uh, away from the pub and away from Brad, who completely uh, torpedoed. No, no, he didn't. I, to be fair, he did a better job of hosting the bloody show than we did. <laughs> he was a showman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, Andrew wanted to uh, give some thoughts about. Uh, I like year. to talk as well. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah, 2015, as we discussed earlier, I did say I, I think it was a good year for film overall, and I think the big thing was 
some of the surprises that I have stuck with completely. Um, one of the big ones was, and this is going to be something everyone yeah, will go, what? Baldekai, which I've been running into the ground all year. He liked it. I saw it thinking I was going to be awful, the trailers were horrible, and I was, I was, I've been mocking the marketing on Twitter, like the weeks running up to it. And I sat down and I fucking loved it. I think, I'm a, I'm a big David Coke fan anyway, so that's kind of endearing me to it, but it's a great farce. It's a really fun, silly, art-heist farce. I, I would suggest what Tim Roth is doing in The Hateful Eight is not a million miles away from what Johnny Depp is doing in Mordecai. I would agree. I would suggest that you both are pretty crap. <laughs> <laughs> how, how so? He's playing. Jet, Jet lost it years ago, and it, 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 it's a continuation of his obsession with being Peter O'Toole. What's the what's the what's the difference between the, the, the two? How they actually play those roles? Because to be fair, with Hateful Eight, is Simroth playing a role? What's different within it is the fact that Tim Roth is very well aware of what he's doing. It's fast. I don't think Joey Depp is. Johnny Depp is totally aware that it's fast. I will throw in Tusk as an argument against him not knowing that it's fast. I have not seen Tusk, so I can't be tripped that part of it. I will throw him Tusk. I, 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 think, I, I think he knows it's not very serious in Tusk. Oh, yes. Um, sorry about that, we were um, taking an order. Um, no, I mean... Sorry, God, what were we talking about? Mordecai. Talking about Mordecai and... Yeah, yeah Mordecai. But, um, Johnny Depp playing up to... Yeah, no, no, I mean, I think with Tusk, it is... Um, I, I, I think he knows it's not very serious. And Mordecai, you can't... I can't say he's going into that thinking it's serious. No, 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 serious, but I think he thinks it's not farce to an extent. I think I think he thinks it's funnier than it genuinely is. I don't hate Mordecai, it's just, it's nowhere near as funny as it seems to think it is, and it's going a lot. It's not. Okay, I'm going to add this section in at the end of a particular section because it's my number one surprise of the year. That's good. I, I, I kind of expected that. Um, I, because, like you say, the word on it was absolutely toxic. Absolutely. I watched it after the cinema. It was on Netflix UK. That's how long I waited to watch it. Yeah. I watched it, and I'm not going to say it's a five out of five comedy classic, but I thought it was a. It made me laugh multiple times. Yeah. And it, it just. It, I laughed once. The. Um, your mother and father met only once and money was exchanged. Yeah, which is a fantastic that. line. I laughed at that bit, and I laughed at that bit because it, it, is, it is completely incongruous the rest of the movie. Yes. Well, uh, Johnny Depp knows. Yes. No, no, I just said yes. For sake. We had, it, we, had, we had that on record. You said yes. <laughs> Yes, that you believe that. So you said yes to me saying it in Congress. I've taken that as golden because you said yes. Okay, but Mordecai. Oh, oh, Mordecai. Oh, I've had three and a half pints and do not blame the booze. Every single. Try it because it's not the booze for Mordecai. You can't blame the booze for you defending it. He's not blaming the booze for Mordecai. He's blaming his drug addiction. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
the, thi- the thing is with Mordecai, it just it's just not as bad as everyone says it is. Honestly, right, it's not in my bottom ten of the year as a spoiler. It's not. It's not that bad, but it's not very good either. <laughs> I, I don't know. The thing is, if no one had if no one had said anything about it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be in this list. But it was just the sheer fact. It's like it follows. We would have already done. I think we already would have done the disappointments by now. It follows. I think it's like number three off the top of my head in disappointments because of what people have said about it going in. There was so much put onto that film, and there's so much put against this film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, it just it's it's fine. It made me laugh. I, I'd watch it again you know and I was expecting it I, I was basically watching it because I thought I need some more fodder for my bottom 10 of the year you know and to be fair which pulls into what, to, to, um, what you were saying earlier is the fact that this was a good year for film the most difficult of all of my lists was my bottom 10 yeah. That was my most difficult collection. Was my bottom ten because I, because I, not because I had too many because I was I was I was going right. Hang on a minute. The ones that are near my like ten, nine, eight in the bottom ten, I didn't hear it. They're just not good films. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, quite. I no, no, quite. Yeah. I mean, it just it's it's fast. It's. Uh, thank you. Thank you. it's uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It, it's fast. Is it a kind of a, a traditional English comedy tradition of that? Um, but, can I just say something? I'm not a big fan of English comedy and stuff like that. So, I will actually admit that that could have played into it for me. Because I, I, I'm not a fan of that that kind of British comedy. So, so, so I didn't key into things you would enjoy anyway. Exactly. Right. And the fact that, that not only it's, does that take into account, the fact that I, I think that the... When I saw it cropping up at anyone's sort of bottom five or bottom ten of the year, I was a little bit going... Hang on a minute, you're only doing that as a kick in the teeth joined Depp. Yeah. You're not doing that because you think that's the bottom, that's the worst. But if you think that Mordecai is one of the worst ten films of the year, you've not seen enough films of the year. Because it, it, I didn't like it. It's not that bad. Yeah. It's it, it really, it, 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 it's not. I wasn't bored during it. I just didn't like it. Yeah. Because it's not my type of comedy. But I wasn't bored during it, so that's a... That, that is a testament to the film I, I, I mean the thing is I know Andrew I know you've never listened to the show but there's a running thing here about me having a shit sense in comedy yeah <laughs> you do I'm I've got A Haunted House 2 I gave 5 out of 10 but I think I'm I, that's probably the highest rating anyone has ever gave A Haunted House 2 yeah so you know I actually laughed at that film a couple a, a few times so this is the thing it might just be that I've got not a tin ear for comedy because it's not that nothing makes me laugh it's that I've got a fucked up ear for comedy but then then again there you go we remember is that one of my genuinely genuinely one of my top 20 movies of all time is Weekend at Burning it's Weekend at Burning and I I, I you just bought it on iTunes and I, 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 I I did just buy it on iTunes and I can actually uh, physically 
prove that I am not just fucking talking bullshit. I genuinely thought... Well, no one's going to make that claim and then not back up. I genuinely thought we're going to burn it on iTunes. What have you brought on iTunes? Why have you bought Toy Story 2's Hawaiian? I didn't have it free in some kind of thing. Fight Club, a good old-fashioned orgy, Home Alone, Interstellar, Mary Poppins, Midnight Run, Pretty in Pink, Toy Tunes, Untouchables, Weekend of Bernie's, When Harry Met Sally, Whiplash, When White Men Can't Jump. You can't actually say fairer than that. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I bought a good old-fashioned orgy because I saw it for nine pizza red, clicked on it, and went, three ninety nine. Yes. Thank you very much. I think that's a really funny film. I, 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 I love that. I, 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 I love a yeah. uh, good old-fashioned orgy. Look at all the bloody... Oh, I only have ultraviolets in my system. Me and Mark with digital only now. So I, I am buying that. one more blue red. One well, more. Yeah, which one? One more. I am buying the Bondor first one. Oh, fair Steel enough. Steel Yeah, fair enough. That's it. There's a great triple bill there. Mordecai in Heron Vice and Penguins of Madagascar. Nice. Yeah. That's a solid. And then get them up. Nice. No, that's a, that's a oh, solid that's triple cool. bill. So when you, get, when you buy like a box set on iTunes, yeah. it, it, it saves many many different films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. pretty cool, that. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. I've got a uh, Werner Herzog, like, short documentary, Ode to Forgotten Men, that was free. Seen that. Yeah, it was free on it's iTunes. Really it might still be, actually. Really so. good. Um, but what... what what else? So aside from yeah, all the well, Scott, I, I've got two other comedies that were genuine surprises. One was Spy, because at that point I was kind of pulled things out. Yep. I, I, I was so excited for the heat and found it obnoxiously awful. And watching Spy and thinking, oh god, Melissa McCarthy's going to be doing the fat annoying character thing again. And perfectly sends that up. That expectation is completely I am um, absolutely with you on Spy. Um, I hated the trailers for it and everything for it. Only watched it because of it on Ian's recommendation. Well, Spy. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it on your recommendation and, and, and really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was brilliant. It's a I, fun spy thriller as it is, but with good comedy. Yeah, yes, yeah. The Statham is great. Yeah. McCarthy doesn't always do Fat Woman Fall Down. No, no she doesn't. Yeah, which is super important. Rose Byrne is fantastic. Oh, God, yeah. You know, and it just, it's. Um, it, it, it's two hours of awesome and it ends with Jason Statham thinking he's sailing off to another country where he's just on a lake and that's then at the, the end you hear him shouting I'm on a fucking lake my, my second post credit sequence have you not seen that? oh where he wakes he up in bed with Miranda Hart yeah uh, my, my second favourite I thought it was Miranda Hart no Miranda Hart's got 50 cents sorry? Miranda Hart's got 50 cents in the end my second favourite um, comedic scene of the year is in um, Spy uh, and it's the the face off machine conversation oh my god uh, put me in the face off machine what I have to put 50p in no because there's no fucking face off machine and then when he leaves the office he goes I know there's a fucking face off machine uh, that is my second favourite comedy movement of, of, of the year it's one of those kind of great moments Rose Byrne is just so wonderfully deadpan awful 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 human being I, I, I love Rose Burn a little bit more 
if she just if, she, if somebody could say to Rose Bird Rose 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 eat a sandwich craft services over there yeah. right yeah. please eat something because she's the fact that she's as thin as she is is troubling to me as a viewer I was kind of surprised she wasn't cast as one of the Ghostbusters yeah I think it's because they were they, they were worried that with that all that that the ex-op has a radio like that she'd be sucked in that shit and just disappear well, either that or maybe they had a, a scheduling conflict with X-Men Apocalypse no I think my theory makes more sense <laughs> Uh, what was the other one? But, uh, the other yeah. big comedy I read, I say big comedy, uh, Universal finally put out a search party this year with Thomas Middleditch, TJ Miller and Adam Halley. Uh, Donna just texted me saying tell Mark to give me a kiss from him oh. so uh, there'll be more than that tonight sweetheart she's great job is your missus is great his missus is really hot we both have great she's missus is really hot <laughs> thank you Sorry, I missed yeah. what that other one was. Uh, Search sorry. Party. It was a film that's been kind of put on the shelf for years. Hangover style uh, bros comedy where. It's like TJ Miller. TJ Miller, Thomas Middleditch, Adam Hallett. It, it kind of. Is it, is it came it, and went in May. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 was, I, was, I was wanting to watch it, but it just never. One of those ones where I've gone to watch and never watched it. Yeah. Is it. It's, I, I was thinking. I watched it because TJ Miller's fantastic. I was thinking, well, it's got great people, it's going to be really good. And then realised it was shot three years ago and just kind of putted out and released over here in 2015. And in America, it gets a 2016 release kind of putted out. They go, oh shit, this is going to be terrible. I laughed all the way fucking through this film. Really? It's, it's, it's like 95 minutes. TJ Miller's one of, those, one of those people who can, can, can be like laugh. out on like VOD and stuff. Yeah, now, VOD, TV, uh, you can get a DVD copy as well. It's, yeah. it's just there. It, it just got kind of flung out. I don't know why, but it, it's got all these kind of people can pop up uh, Christian Ritter and Jason Manzoo can pop up for a crazy funny sequence uh, Thomas Milovich is in Mexico the entire film and is dealing with the fact that he doesn't know any language and is naked um, comic opportunities for improv there oh, all I'm just over. trying to look it up I want to see how much it is to rent on iTunes it's five pounds on DVD so I'm guessing it's what like a three ninety nine. it probably yeah yeah probably uh, films search party comedy 4th of September 2014 what 4.49 to rent 9.99 to buy does that look right? that, that is exactly the right yeah. look yeah I'm not ready I'm not ready I'll, I'll, I will I will I will not illegally download it and then buy it if I like it <laughs> I won't do that myself. It's probably going to be on Netflix or something. Anyway. Well, I will Netflix search it and see where it is. Boom. And uh, how about your disappointments? Uh, disappointments in follows. Yes. Was like, oh, it's a, it's a great horror film. I'm not, a, I'm not a horror guy at all. So when I make it a distinction to go to the cinema to watch a horror film, I want it to be a good film. I want to actually see something interesting. And it followed the board. It didn't scare me the board, and that was just pretty cool. 
and it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. No. It, 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 it quite literally is a film that has survived on people saying it's good rather than actually fucking being and, good. Yeah. And it, all it gets is people saying, does the, does the film really have to make sense? Blah, blah, blah. It would help. Yeah. It, it, it would help. It's, it's testament to having a clever poster and a good marketing team. Yeah. And funnily enough, Mark and I actually, uh, sorry, Noel and I recorded a review of It Follows in the Byron Burger in Manchester. Ooh. Ooh. Actually, yeah. Full circle? Not kind of full circle. Half circle. Flat circle. Yeah, Time. was that? Time. Was that before? <laughs> was that before Goblin? No. no. It was a uh, stag weekend. I went up the night before. Of course it was, yes. And I met you the next night, yeah. And he was like ruined the next day. Oh, and then we had the most embarrassing stag weekend ever. Yeah, we were. I know Noel's probably going to listen to it. We were it's him. He would probably agree in fairness. Yeah, we, we, it, it, we were team. Which is unusual, because usually when we all meet up, it gets fucking nasty quickly. I had a really good night's sleep on Noel Stag. That's not right. I, on Noel Stag, on Noel Stag, I watched on my phone, and I'm not joking here, I watched, I, I, I don't sleep very well anywhere, couldn't sleep, I watched on my phone a game, I watched Pretty in Pink, because it is my, it is my going out, going out and coming home from somewhere movie. I watched Pretty in Pink, Breakfast Club, and Ferris day off I watched a triple bill of John Hughes movies lay down on my side on my phone watching him while having an argument with another guy who went out to the toilet and I went oh put a shoe in the thing he went oh no close it went no put a fucking shoe in it in the door because then you don't have to disturb everybody when you come back to the toilet just put a shoe in there what's going to happen oh no close it went no fucking put a fucking shoe in the fucking door because you're going to disturb everybody and he refused to put a shoe in the door so when he left I unlocked the door I put a shoe in it and then locked the door was that the long haired gentleman? no it wasn't long haired it was a short haired gentleman who at to be fair at Noel's wedding actually said to me before the wedding when we were having a drink in um, the bar of the the world yeah actually said to me then I get work we about that we should just put a smoke in the Oh, we have interrupted there, but maybe we should uh, stop in a minute. But what, what was your other disappointment? He says I've just started eating. Um, Sorry. party where nothing's really heightened or entertaining and an hour of weird melodrama trying to masquerade as comedy it's, it's, it's a bizarre film what? I'm not sure if this is and I'm I'm not a fan of either of the I'm clearly not a fan of either of the but from the trailers I've not seen it and I, if I see it and I like it I will freely admit I, I, I like it 
it seems like a film that is essentially two comedians having a go at a generation of their own fans and essentially just being a little bit bitter about it at the same time and kind of going oh we'll we look at look, look, look at all this ridiculous just look at all this ridiculousness that we've traded off for years right. it, it feels a little bit a little bit snarky and nasty it, it's stranger than that because in it Amy Poehler's playing a quite kind of angry, annoyed character, the mother. They've done a bit of a role reverse. Exactly, and Tina Fey's the crazy one. And it always feels so wrong, the entire film. Because what they do best is what they do best. That's why they're so successful at what they've done. And changing it up is a clear explanation of why they should kind of stick with what they do. But don't you think that Amy Poehler's done that a lot post-divorce um, Bolana? What, changing up or sticking with the craziness? Going for the, the more crazy days. Um, she certainly hides it further and further. Yeah. But, you know, it, it works. It does work. And I just kind of wish, since it was, you know, the second film after Baby Mama to have them both as the two leads, to market that film and then give us a, a complete disassociation of what we know of them and also make it tediously long with no plot whatsoever that's discernible and no jokes, which is the killer. If it was interesting or it had great jokes, but it doesn't the only thing that's funny in it is uh, Bobby Moynihan keeps popping up and doing crazy and crazy shit and that's about as funny as it gets is Bobby Moynihan the guy who looks like he's a fat one uh, who's the um, guy who looks like he's melted the guy who looks like a bad um, portrait type of uh, Matt Wahlberg on a guy's thigh is that not John Cena? John Cena is just that, 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 that wrestler that people are determined to admit can act and he can't. He's very good in training, right? Fuck you. He's entertaining in 12 rounds. 12 rounds is alright. Yeah. What's that weird WWF film that we watched? Uh, the Condemned. <laughs> it was really good. Have you ever seen the Condemned? Have you seen the Condemned? The Mike Yeah, it's Steve Austin, Vinnie Jones. Yeah, it's him and Vinnie Jones. Because there's that bit where... Um, like, Vinnie Jones, like, just, like, walks up a hill and then just goes, that was one crazy bitch. And then behind him just explodes the woman he's talking about. Oh my god! No, I mean, sorry. It's um, <laughs> we watched that. A, we watched that in a, a cottage while all all that. It was a weird weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, we we had a weekend in the um, the Lake District. Uh-uh. And it was um, a feet district. A feet district, sorry, yeah. I always get too confused, though, genuinely. Um, me, Mark, um, Noel, and uh, Mike, wasn't it? And Rob. Sorry? Rob? Sure. Jordan. Oh, Jordan, yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in a, in a rented accommodation in the feet district. <laughs> that sounds dangerous. <laughs> with, with, with an insane amount of booze. <laughs> okay. The amount of booze where you buy it and you go, we're not drinking all that. We're not all that. And then the second that. night, you have to go and buy bars. Yeah. <laughs> 
The worst it was when the uh, one who owned the property came round to see if we were alive. And I got to close the door to the living room because it was just full of empty beer cans, empty bottles. There was like bottles all over what I said, a random crescendo of like drug paraphernalia all over the USA. Brilliant. I think I might end it there now we're trying to talk about drug paraphernalia. 